Welcome to X-Rated, the X-Men animated review show. We won't keep you for all time. We'll keep you for a little while. Oh my what god, that guy think? was annoying. The most annoying character in the history of in the history of kids animation. You love Bender. I do not, sir. I love Futurama's Bender. I do not love this Bender. I think you love this Bender. Uh-huh. Anyway, I, I I am your host. He's stealing time! <laughs> It's not stealing your time if you vo- or agreed to be here. Um, I'm Mr. Skelmister, of course. And with me, as always, is my co-host. Are you talking to me? I wish. I wish. <laughs> no, I'm talking to Typhoid Myat. That's right. Which, thanks for stealing one of my uh, X points with your name. Oh, there's going to be lots of overstep on the X points, I think, on this episode. Lots of oh, cameos. Likely. Oh, yes, indeed, indeed. Who else is here? What aren't you telling me? <laughs> well, you know, that's a good question, Bender. Uh, Andre, would you like to uh, introduce our uh, guest for the evening? Sure. <laughs> Just when I thought this place couldn't get any weirder. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are very privileged to have with us uh, comic artist Adam Gorham. Does currently doing work for... Darth Vader, are those books currently still coming out, or is that the last run? Uh, there's, they're currently coming out, yeah. All right, uh, Darth Vader from Marvel, uh, the Godzilla books, the Godzilla versus books over on uh, IDW. Um, I think you're currently doing the Turtles-Stranger Things crossover. Is that something that's current? I'm doing some covers for the Turtles-Stranger right. Things crossover, yes. Yeah, I saw you working on them at East Coast Comic Expo. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm always hesitant to mention things I see artists working at a con- conventions because one time, like years ago, I went to the, um, I don't want to get him in trouble, but I went to the uh, the Montreal Comic Expo and uh, Tom Fowler was there and he had pages on his table from the Venom book he was working on, uh-huh. like original art pages he was selling. And I was flipping through them and I was like, this this one hasn't come out yet. And he looks at me and he goes, shh, like that. So, yeah. yeah, I was like, all right. So, uh, you know, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. That's one of the, that's one of the perks of uh, meeting artists at shows, especially mm-hmm. if they're working on work work at the show, you can kind of get a preview of what they're working on. Yeah. That one was awesome. Was That was like my first one where I really got to meet like a ton of cool, like comic artists that, you know, in person, like I got to talk to Sergio Argonez and Stan Sakai and um, Ty Templeton. Sergio Argonez? I gave him a copy of my my little indie comic I made at the time. He told me to come back the next day and him and Stan both read it and then talked to me about it for like an hour and gave me tips and pointers and all this sort of stuff. It was like the sweetest thing ever. I was like, they took time out of their day to actually do that, which is super nice. It was awesome. And, uh, oh, I met... um, uh, Oh God, Neil Adams too, which is super cool. So, and and like um, the guy that the first guy to draw Wolverine, Herb Trimpey, like his in the Hulk comic. I met a ton of cool comics. Mm-hmm. And like the thing is that those cons now, like all they have is like every, almost everyone's there to meet like Spike from Buffy or like one of those guys. And like I feel like the comic yeah. people, like the real comic people, 
there's not never really huge lineups for them because everyone's in line to see Jack Harkness from Doctor Who or something. You know, like they don't. It's not about the comics as much. So if you're like a comic nerd like I am, you, it feel like you kind of get in there pretty easily to meet some of these people, and it was it was awesome. I swear, I swear, I saw some like Neil Adams sit at a table and no one go up to his table for 45 minutes. Oh, I got him to sign mm-hmm. my copy of uh, Superman versus Muhammad Ali, which is uh, which is pretty great. So, yeah, but did you? Did, but did you try to knock him down an escalator? No, you, no, I did not. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Right now, well, thanks for joining yeah, us, Adam. Yes, Adam is a uh, very talented and amazing uh, yes. artist who we've had on the uh, I've had on my other podcast, but uh, we were very. He mentioned during that show how much he had the reverence he had for this show. So when we were talking off mic, I mentioned that we do this, and he was interested in becoming a guest. So uh, as, as he has a big affinity for cable, we thought we'd try to make it one that has cable featured in it. And uh, this four parter in this episode particularly has quite a bit of cable. So, uh, yes. Yeah. And we, <laughs> And we had Lauren Spain. Made by former was, guest of the show, exactly. Yeah. yeah, we had Lauren Spain on the show recently, who is the voice of Cable as well, which is pretty cool. So, people oh, cool. of the show. Yeah, he was very, very. Yeah, he's guy. a cool guy. He's a really cool guy. We got a beer someday. Well, yeah, cool. a lot, a lot of good stories and a great storyteller, and just like, like a super yeah. charismatic dude. Like, just yeah, the kind of guy you want to hang out with. Like he'd broke into like a poem that lasted a good three or four minutes. <laughs> that he wrote like twenty years ago or something. And yeah. uh, I, I, I'm still amazed. I'm still amazed he was the like the the Native American character in that Pink Floyd uh, music video. That was like one of his first credits, which is amazing. Learn to fly was it? Learn to fly, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? We're here to review season four, episode twenty-one of the X-Men animated series. Beyond uh, Good the, and Evil Part 4, end and beginning. This is definitely the, the last of the seasons in which we have 21 episodes in them. The <laughs> you know what they say, every, every new beginning is another beginning's end. Or how does that song go? Uh, another <laughs> new beginning's end? Very nice. So it's closing time. Uh, written <laughs> yeah. by... Are you quoting Semisonic on this show? My God. It, yes. All I right, just right. quoted Semisonic. This is a 90s show, Andre. It, it, is, it is. It show. is. That is certainly where where my nostalgia lies exactly written by dean stefan who i don't think has written any episodes of this show before this one but good job dean and directed by larry houston the the unicorn of this show (laughs) devin's been trying to get him on for a while before we get into this though adam like what are your memories of this show like what are your favorite parts of the show yeah since you you have reverence for it and uh and you you obviously uh it sits in that perfect nostalgia bubble in your head. Well, um, it's, it's been a while, you know, before watching this episode, it had been a couple of years since I revisited it. I think when I got Disney plus and it was available, I gave it a go and uh, I can't remember how far I got into it, but it was really, really great. You know, like background noise as I'm working and, and I, you know, nobody else in the house appreciated it the way <laughs> I do. Um, but, you know, as much as it was nice enough to watch again, it was really just to, you know, more than anything, it rekindled memories of watching it on Saturday morning. And um, so there was like, you know, a, a good stretch where um, I would set my VCR on Friday night to record uh, Friday night's episode of Tales from the Crypt. Oh, yeah, awesome. And then on I, I used to stay up too late and watch that too. And uh, like my parents, if they'd known I was watching, it would not have been happy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I, if I recorded it and watched it Saturday morning before they were awake, 
easy done, right? So nice. I'd watch that, and then it's I just would, cartoons. And then <laughs> I, would, I would chase it with cartoons, and um, yeah. so X Men was like the big event on Saturday morning, and I'd like pull out all of my like toy biz figures and you know watch it, and so you know like I there's episodes that I uh, remember well, some less so, but. You know, when I, for like this, tonight's, the episode that we're reviewing, for instance, I had seen, obviously it's much later in the series run. And I, had for you know, I, I, you know, if you were to ask me point blank, if I recalled the episode, I probably would have said no. But as I watched it, I was like, yes, I remember this. Yes, this is familiar. And, um, and then there were things that uh, surprised me as I was watching it, like, um, you know, like I, I had, I had forgotten. We were just talking about it earlier, but I had actually forgotten what Cable's voice sounded like, mm-hmm. and it was just different from what I might have recalled. Um, I always Cable's, say it's very John Wayne. It sounds like someone doing a John Wayne voice. Yes, yeah, yeah, which, yeah like a futuristic cowboy, which is fitting yeah. like when you think about it. But it, yeah. Just, it, yeah, it caught me off guard. Cable also has like my favorite line in this episode, but um, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. <laughs> Um, but, um, one of my, uh, one of my favorite memories of this show is actually a memory of Apocalypse. And it's, I think when he's first introduced in the series and, um, he has this great line where, you know, um, you know, he's, he, he shapeshifts out of like, out of somebody else and they're like, oh, you're a mutant. And he tells them that he's as far beyond mutants as mutants yeah. are as far beyond them. Yeah. And as a as a kid, I was like, that's writing. <laughs> <laughs> he has one that Davin comments on a lot that's like uh like I am the rocks upon the eternal shore, crash upon me and be broken. <laughs> yeah, like that's like Shakespearean. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And like in, in Apocalypse had a lot of great lines in the series. Yeah, and so Apocalypse was always my favorite villain. Um uh, like of, of of the x-men growing up and um you know like i i don't think he's a villain who's who necessarily holds up to scrutiny all that well you know mm-hmm. like in terms of like does he make sense <laughs> um, uh, what is i feel he? like they've done good good work in that like regard recently in comics like during the krakoan era have they've done a lot of work on apocalypse and it's kind of made me like the character a lot more. Okay. I have not gotten into any of that stuff. I yeah. started out reading it when it was very new and it was like appointment reading for me, but I fell off about after a year mm-hmm. and just like, just before all of the X of Swords stuff. Um, yeah. Anywho, uh, but like, you know, Apocalypse in this show was my favorite villain for those reasons. Like he, uh, he was, he did come across as very Shakespearean mm. and, um, and he was like, you know, he was otherworldly. There was always, um, uh, you know, there was always mystery surrounding him. What is, you know, what his motivations are and, and what his plans were. And, and, you know, he's like always shooting off into space in some crazy <laughs> starship in the sky. Yeah. It's always shaped cool. like an old pyramid or something. Like this is so, it's so funny. Yeah. It was yeah. all so cool. And so, um, so yeah, I, I that's uh, one of the things about the show that I remember uh, most is 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 him, um, but there's a lot of other stuff as well, and um, and uh, I think I probably know because <clears throat> I think like for to a certain extent the show did a fairly good job of adapting storylines in the very broad strokes. Mm-hmm. So you know, like I I, I realized later on 
that um, a lot of what I thought that I knew about X-Men comics actually came from the X-Men animated show. Yeah. And um, I remember working when I was working on a, a, a new mutants book and I was talking with my editor about something and I was like, Oh, just, you know, like I mentioned something offhand, like something I thought I knew about the X-Men and he was like, well, that's actually from the cartoon and not from the comics. And then the <laughs> comics, so I got schooled very quickly and then I realized, like, yeah, I guess I, I've seen more episodes of the X Men cartoon than I had read X Men comics at that time. Mm, same with me. Yeah. So. Yeah, a lot of it is sort of uh, a lot of it sort of defined in my head is like I, I run into that too. Where I'm like, is that the origin I remember, or is that like from the show? Because yeah. like me and Devin were talking about be- how Beast originally became Blue, and my memory of it, I think, is from reading like a kid's book that was like written to explain all the X-Men origins in these little short stories. And there's some big story about an experiment that he was doing on himself that more turned into making him blue, mm. but there's a different, like the comics had a different version and then there's something else about something else. So yeah, it all gets mixed up in your head pretty easily. Yeah. And I mean, like they do a good job of streamlining a lot of these like, you know, soap operatic uh, storylines mm. that, you know, like, Claremont was weaving across years, right? Yeah. Uh, and managed to get it into, you know, either an episode or like, I think at most like a four part uh, storyline. I think like, I think like a season before this, they're like, they managed to do the whole Dark Phoenix saga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the end of within, season three. Yeah. yeah. Within eight episodes, which is like a, which is something. Cause there's, a- it's good. It's very good too. Yeah. They even what have their own- noticed. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. One thing we've noticed is like a lot of the best episodes of this series are the ones that are adapting some of the better comic storylines. Like the Days of Future Past was really good. Yeah, the stuff was really good. Yeah, I mean those are great storylines. So, but they're easy to mess up. The Fox movies messed up a lot of those storylines. But yeah, they, this show has been surprisingly good. I think. I feel like animation, well, especially this well. time, because comics weren't. Like, comics weren't taken super seriously by the world at large. It wasn't like they were multi-million dollar comic hero movies coming out every other month, right? Like, it was just, you had this this cartoon, the Spider-Man cartoon, the Batman cartoon, and that was pretty much it for, like, su- superhero stuff going on around this time period. Yeah. I mean, and movie-wise, all we had was Tim Burton's Batman movies and the Chris Reeves Superman movies, which were, like, a decade behind them at this point. So, mm-hmm. like, nobody was taking it that seriously, and certainly not enough that... Big wig executives. Oh, would Fantastic Four, nineteen ninety. Oh well, the, the, well, that cartoon, yeah, the, and the Silver Surfer cartoon. No, I'm talking about the movie. Oh, the Roger, the one that never got released by Roger Corman. It, yeah, I got released. I used to rent it at Hobble's Furniture Store when I was a little <laughs> kid. It got released. I've never. Well, video. not not. It wasn't supposed. It was only made so they could keep the rights. Like they didn't really pre- intend on really like releasing it too much. I remember. Have you, you? So you've seen it? Have you ever seen it? That. I know of it. I've seen stills from it. I've heard the legend. And um, it's, yeah, ter- I- it's as bad as you would expect it to be. It's quite bad. I used to I used to rent that and the Captain America movie from the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I watched that. I I dubbed that on VHS and watched it. <laughs> I actually have the I have the Blu-ray of it. They put it out a while ago, uh, and I oh and wow, I found it you have a Blu-ray of that Captain America yep. movie. You know, it's an interesting fact about that movie is the actor in it is it is his last name Faulkner? Is his father is like William Faulkner? He's like, oh, like yeah, that's no, right. no, Salinger, Salinger. His father is yeah, Salinger. His, father is the his name is Matt Hall. Salinger. Yeah, so uh, 
I just find it so funny that JD Sounder's son is Captain America and like a, and a really Catcher in the Rye, overrated, gotta say. <laughs> and like the Red Skull was Italian for some reason. It was just very weird. It, it was, was very weird. weird to me. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's cool. It's funny because there were like really, and and this is just proving my point, I guess, that that was kind of a, a desert of, of comic book stuff. Like you had that Generation X made for TV movie in like the early 2000s. Yeah. It did. Um, that was the only thing it had going for it. Um, and that Nick, like the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie, it didn't really go anywhere. The, the that was good too. The scene with him and Lou Gossett Jr. when they've got Punisher like arrested and stuff. That's a great scene. Have, that, that weird Doctor Strange movie from like the eighties that uh, that it's didn't really go over. Yeah, I have, <laughs> That's a, I have an import a foreign import of the of the Dolph Lundgren Punisher. I used nice. to love it so much. Um, it's good. It's it's not that bad. The uh, the David oh, yeah. Hasselhoff Nick Fury movie, like there's there's just all these weird. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, Fo- the Fox TV movie event. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they had so many of those, um, but like there weren't executives that were like trying to you know come at you with like we need to do this in a movie or do that, which probably happened with most of those big X Men movies. Probably the first who got away with it because you know they didn't expect them to be massive. They just did something with them and they became big. Um, I mean, I, I still think X2 is probably the best X-Men movie by far. But that's my, that's my opinion. I don't know. That's going to change soon enough. That's going to change. You think so? <laughs> New segment called Some Explaining to Do. <laughs> now, Andre, the X-Goons were looking forward to our stories about our beers that we were going to have, and we oh, were going to regale them. Put me on blast here for this. Debauch- I am putting you on blast. Yeah. So uh-huh. why don't you explain to the ex-goons why we, we don't have any cool stories to tell them. Well, We hyped them up. Andre I think I, I was going <laughs> to meet for the first time since like a comic convention 15 years ago. In person, yes. Years. Well, the problem, number one, I think I deserve some credit because I made the effort to actually meet you to give you the stuff I was supposed to give you. That's true, uh, but, but you did basically drive to another country, which is Bayer's Lake. That's fine. I, I apologize, um, but uh, this is a '90s show. That's fine. I was I, mean, I was with a no friend, and reason. he wanted to get home early, and he had a kid he had to get home to, and so it changed my plans. I initially thought I was going into Halifax alone, but I wasn't. So I'm Fair sorry. Enough. I'll be in Halifax Fair. again soon, and we can do it again. It's not me. I worry about it's the ex goons. Oh yes, I'm sure they're very upset that we didn't have dinner that day. <laughs> I think they were looking forward to the stories. Oh, okay. Actually, no, what am I talking about? I got to yeah, play your last time on, yeah. You bet I Previously. Do. Previously on X-Men. Okay, this is going to explain everything perfectly. It never you know? does. It never works out. He, he always time only plays good. like the last minute of the previous episode, and it oh, never lines up. Even a minute. The capture of the king, Professor Charles Xavier. <laughs> it actually did apply this good time, which is rare well it's good. only because it's only because it's a, a a multi-parter if it's like the last episode had nothing to do with this one it makes no sense but it does work <laughs> man that apocalypse voice is so good there's like he's like, so good in this episode he's so, so good. good did the john call it ghost man I meant to mention this to Chris Britton when we were talking to him but they had to go with him as the main villain like they made Apocalypse, the main villain in this one, just on the strength of John Colicos's voice, you know what I mean? And if he was still alive, they probably would have done the same thing. Oh, he's such a cool villain. 
not such a great is just as good of a voice. Chris Britton's sinister voice is amazing, but like mm-hmm. just John Colicos has such gravitas in this character. He's like he just look like he looks cool. He sounds awesome. Like and just the fact whenever like they go to throw down, he just grows like like four times the size, <laughs> and he's just like massive yeah. and just like it's just it's so cool. I don't know. He's he's such a such an interesting character. And he uh, waxes poetic about time like ten times in this episode. Like he's he's getting very poetic on the interesting. Well, they kind of like around. hammer home the fact that he's had a thousand years hanging out in the void to like figure out yeah. the 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 time palace that he found and all that sort of stuff. Although I do think they could have explained a little some more questions about that. that. Yeah, yeah, I have some questions because like if you didn't know if you if you don't know anything about comics and you watch the show, like you all your only experience with comics is this show. That revelation is would mean nothing to you, you know. But uh, we'll get to that. Oh, the the thing at the end. Well, yeah. yeah. So yeah, the episode kicks off. You don't have the, to uh, though. It has nothing to do with the story. No, but it wouldn't mean anything to you if you didn't know who that character was from the comics. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we yeah, we see the X Men coming to you after the uh, the big the big swindle at the end of the last episode, where Angel gets very upset at the cable stupid plan didn't work out the way that he had intended. Angel's a dink in this one. He's this whole series that he doesn't come off very well. I mean, in the comics, he's kind of a, a spoiled rich guy too, so it's sort of the same thing. But he's super agitated in this. I, I still think it's it's a good credit to the voice actor that this is the same the, the same voice actor that does Angel. We discovered last episode is the uh, the voice of Beetlejuice in the Beetlejuice cartoon. Hmm. Those are like yeah. two very different you know, voices. He does a really good job. Um, Cable basically says, "You he's know, the ghost with the most." Yeah, he sure was. <laughs> Cable basically says, like, screw you guys, we're getting out of here, and just throws a grenade down a hallway, like, without giving them any warning. He's like, we're blowing this place, he just throws it, and he's like, run! Yeah, yeah the X-Men do crazy shit all the time, but they just had no way, like, to, they can't comprehend Cable's tactics at all. I just love, like, no warning whatsoever, just throw the bomb, and then be like, now we gotta run, instead of just being like, let's get yeah. out of here, and then throwing it. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, Cable basically now that uh, well we do discover which I feel like was retconned because I don't remember them like I heard him say Xavier at the end of the last episode but I don't remember him saying Xavier and Wolverine which they do show in the flashback because right. Wolverine is also missing um, along with Xavier from the group but uh, we see the group run back to Gray Malkin and try to figure out what they're going to do from here. Um, he knew Apocalypse do your stupid plan before we made our first move. Maybe. You got any other ideas? I'm listening. <laughs> He's such a whiny, like, he knew. You um, know, sometimes I feel like now that we sort of know him, I, sometimes I feel like Lawrence Bain is just playing himself when he plays Cable. <laughs> he, he, there's a lot of tongue in cheek you can tell with, with him. Uh, I mean, he is a professional when it comes to acting, but like, oh, yeah. but you can definitely, knowing his personality, you definitely see it in here. So um, basically, uh, when when Cable throws that grenade, he blows up the Apocalypse's uh, chamber. But Apocalypse, then they head back to Grey Malkin uh, to form another plan. But then we cut to Apocalypse watching this. Who? Oh, wait, here's your... uh... Get out of here, because this little health spy is history. (laughs) (laughs) That's all he says. Everyone's supposed to interpret this health spy's history as run now or you're going to (laughs) die. And like it's a future grenade. So like <laughs> the people in the past wouldn't know what the hell that is. It's like if I pulled out an iPad now to someone from ten years or well, thirty years to twenty years ago, they'd have no idea what the hell they're looking at, right? Like, what is that? So and I just threw it on the floor and said, "Run!" Is cable just increasingly runs out of fucks during this four-parter, and now he's oh. just like, "I don't care." 
He's like, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> like, I'm just going to kill Apocalypse. Like, that's what I'm doing. I mean, yeah. as far as like archetypes for heroes and characters go, the like the sort of space cowboy from the future uh, that's just such a badass. Uh, it's such a cool character. Like Cable is by far, and Bishop to a lesser extent as well. They're but they're oh, they're almost very similar characters. Really Bishop's more of a cowboy. He's more of a cowboy. Kind Whereas, of like Cable's trying to tap into Soldier the Fortune like, kind Terminator of zeitgeist. What was the well, like in like the like the John Connor thing? You know. Hmm. What was the comic? So, like, right around the '90s, or well, I guess early 2000s, when Grant Morrison was doing his X-Men run, yeah. around the same time there was a Cable series yes. that came out, and it, yeah. it was who was the artist? It was, it was called. One the... Okay, uh, it was the one that was. It wasn't called Cable, right? It was Igor Cordy uh, was the artist. And, yeah, it was um, Soldier X or something like that. Was maybe that was it started out. It started out as Cable, and then it later became Soldier X. That's right. Yeah, I, I was thinking Richard Corbin for some reason in my head, but it wasn't his. But the art reminded me a bit of him. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, it was. I I loved that series actually. Yeah, I remember it being very it cool, and, I'd, and and just reading it at the because I worked at a store that sold comics, so I remember just reading it at the store. But uh, I worked at a comic uh, shop at that time too. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it was like a hobby store that sold comics, but that's where I got mine at, and that's when I kind of like got back into buying comics normally. Like I just had what I had as a kid and read them all the time growing up. But that was kind of my, my, that's like when John Ramada Jr. And uh, was drawn Spider-Man and uh, Mackie was writing it. I think Howard Mackie. And that's what I was reading a lot of that. But uh, yeah, I remember it was Rissa. Was that the guy's last name? The artist? No, Igor Cordy. Yes, that's right. I get it mixed up with, uh, is it Eduardo Risso? R-I-S-S-O? Eduardo Risso. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes too. So, but uh, yeah, so we see Apocalypse says uh, it doesn't care that his little house spa has been destroyed because now that <laughs> now that he is outside of time, he doesn't need it anymore. He doesn't um, need his Lazarus chamber. It is. <laughs> yeah, we did yeah, reference that. It is funny that he calls it a house spa just because Apocalypse is there, just like chilling out and recharging. Or <laughs> yeah, and like, but like when he does, like, because when they went, they're in the past, so it was like 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 old school Egyptian Apocalypse, like that was the one that Mystique was yeah. sort of looking at as. Um, which is cool because I, like I would have up. enjoyed that design more growing up. Like I wasn't a big Apocalypse fan growing up either because I didn't really like the design. Mm. It didn't seem to fit with this ancient kind of character because it was such a few. Like they explained that he has all this celestial technology and stuff, mm. but like the design just never really worked for me. And I didn't really like his MacGuffin hand where he could just kind of like have any power whenever he wanted it. That kind of like, but the way that I go back to that Kokoan stuff, like in the Excalibur series, they really, and it's funny, you ducked out at Exoswords. That's when they really developed his character. Exoswords is pretty They do a lot with him in that one. Yeah. I just started reading a little bit on Kindle Unlimited, but I think I might, I want to see how much the Marvel Unlimited is or the Marvel, whatever that one is, because it seems like... Is that the one where Dave Cutler's uh, has Dave Cutler's Cosmo series on? Yeah, and apparently Dave said oh, yeah. if you like, if you don't mind waiting a couple weeks, you'll like every new comic that comes out is on it, and I don't mind. So I usually yeah. have to wait a couple weeks to get the comic store anyway. So <laughs> I'll still buy the comics I want to buy, but this will give me access to everything, even things that I'm mildly interested in, but might not want to, you know, just purchase. So it would be well, cool to have access to that. I want to say, like, Apocalypse is... Yeah, I've always I've always liked him, but he's always been um, a villain that's constantly being reinvented. Like every mm. every there's always in X Men runs, <clears throat> and eventually you get an Apocalypse arc, mm. and 
there's like a new sort of spin on him and there's some there's been some good ones but i think i remember reading that when he was introduced in x factor you see that he's like he's a shadowy silhouette in the issue that he's introduced because they didn't know he was a placeholder villain they didn't know what he was going to be just at that point and i for, i think who wrote i, I forget who was writing that one Lee simonson was writing it at the time okay and um if I'm remembering correctly, the plan was to make him the Daredevil villain, the Owl. But oh, like, really? Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. I had not heard that. And wow! Uh, but like having undergone, you know, like he's he had reached he leveled up some in, in terms of villainy. <laughs> but wow. I, I remember reading that it was like going to be they were going to use the the Daredevil villain, the Owl. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's the. Just- that's, but they, he's in the final panel of this one where he's just a shadowy figure. Yeah, so uh, as of that issue, they were like, maybe the owl? Want to do <laughs> and they're like, no, they, by the time the next issue comes out, they're like, no, he's this guy. Yeah, exactly. So they, had, they, they figured it out by that point. But I remember reading that and thinking, like, that's nuts. And um, but uh, It's so weird when you read those stories. Like, I remember I was reading, because during the pandemic, I, I had all the volumes of Fables and never read it before, so I went and read it all the way through. Yeah. And uh, the whole thing is, like, everyone's scared that the adversary is going to follow them into the real world. And apparently the original plan for the adversary was going to be Peter Pan. He was going to be the adversary that they're all scared of. And they were going to have this side story about how Captain Hook was, like, actually a good guy trying to stop I mean, if you think about Peter Pan, he's, like, kidnapping kids taking them to another world like if, if they want to grow up or they age they like in the comics it's sort of or in the original book it's sort of implied that whenever ever the lost boys start to grow up he just kills them because yeah. there's no room for adults in the in this world so mm-hmm. like they, they really play him out to be a, a major villain but the they couldn't get the rights because they didn't go into public domain quite yet they're ah. off by like five years or something so he ended up changing it to oh. geppetto which actually worked really well but like it's crazy when you structure everything to go one way and then you have to like pivot really hard right the next. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in a comic like that where it's like the next week they're like, all right, not the not, not, not the owl, make up someone new. <laughs> Give him a generic name like Apocalypse or you know Geppetto. <laughs> Armageddon or something. Yeah. All right. So Oh, when right. I saw that, I was thinking, right. like, not your best, Wolverine, not your best. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah, got he some is... good singers in this series, but he does have some good singers yeah. for sure. They do. They, as the series goes piece on, of gutter trash is a favorite. <laughs> so Apocalypse is kind of monologuing amongst all his, uh, his 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 telepaths that he's collected. We see quite a who's who of uh, telepathic characters here. Yeah, um, I have let you live to witness the obliteration of all you hold dear. Yeah, and that's always the villain. Like, why not just kill him? Like, why why do you need yeah. him to to show why up? Why do you to care? Why you rewrite it. his like yeah. reality? He's worked so hard on this thing. He wants to show <laughs> it off. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, he spent like a thousand that's years fair. outside of time building this time chamber, or like uh, working within this time chamber and figuring out his secrets. Yeah, but uh, as we discover, Wolverine has been kidnapped and is chained up. Apparently, he leaped into the portal when Apocalypse uh, grabbed Xavier. Uh, and they captured him. So uh, he's sort of monologuing amongst all of these uh, interesting cavalcade of characters, some of which we've seen before, some we haven't, that are all in stasis. Um, this, this is one of the things that I always loved about watching this show was whenever there was an Easter egg or cameo to pick up on, like mm-hmm. 
There's a lot of them. Yeah, I, I remember. Like, yeah. Whenever they would go through, like, um, you know, if Xavier was searching somebody's memories, and you would see, you know, Deadpool or like Omega Red, or, yeah. um, or or just various things like that. And I yeah, I really, Deadpool showed up once or twice. It, like Maverick was the one that I always thought was cool until we actually he actually showed up eventually. But <laughs> you know, like those sort of characters are cool. Maverick's always that character that people forget that they can't they can't place him. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, well, I, I was he, surprised to learn he was Australian, isn't he? Is that what he? Because his voice? No, he's good. German. German. Yeah, I never knew he was German. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, is he still around? Did he become Agent X or something? He became Agent X. Zero. Agent Zero. Agent Zero. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I, yeah, Maverick's so cool. cool. I agree. I like Luck Powers. Luck <laughs> Powers are cool. He always reminded me of that. Remember that like one-off Spider-Man villain slash anti-hero uh, solo? That was just like oh, the yeah, guy with the big guns that would always he could teleport was his power. But he almost kind of struck me as a Maverick ripoff because he just had big guns and teleported a lot, which is kind of Maverick's thing, wasn't it? Huh. I actually do not know that character. Oh, he had like oh, yeah, reddish. He, he always he, wore a, a full. He had green his own book. Suit. Yeah, very yeah. briefly. With like a brown like, kind of mask. And like there's that Paladin character that was kind of the same. He was like, you know, he had the purple Paladin. and gray costume. Oh, Paladin, yeah, from Captain yeah. America? Yeah, I think he, yeah. he was always like a gun for hire kind of guy, but like not a bad guy per se, just a. I do with Lucy he was always Lewis. one of the stories in Marvel Comics Presents. There was yeah. always a paladin. Okay. Yeah, story. they always had him in there. Um, yeah, so he's monologuing, and basically he does this whole, he reveals this whole plan to Wolverine here, which is, um, actually, no, we don't get to that point yet. So he's basically just No, like, I will oh. reveal my entire plan. He's That's basically, all the pieces are in place. Made you look. <laughs> Made you look. <laughs> so I got ahead of us there. <sighs> It's quite all right. So Beast, uh, Beast, and um, Beast and Cable come up with uh, that when Cycl or uh, Professor X feared that he might get captured, so he put a little probe on himself uh, that uh, would allow them to track him. So they they're using the Gray Malkin computer with the Cerebro to track uh, Xavier, and they're having trouble sinking onto him because I don't know what kind of computers they had in the '90s, but this is some pretty high tech shit. That computer's like Xavier is is outside of time. Like the computer can oh, tell that. Gray Malkin is celestial technology. Cable That's fair, I guess. I think Beast is on. He's on the X Mansion's computer. Yeah, Cerebro. Yeah, yeah. Is Beast oh, is in Cerebro. the X Mansion, and Cable's on Gray Malkin. Yes, yeah. that's right. And so whatever Beast oh. is looking up is an Earthbound computer. Oh, but okay. I, I well, think they're linked it, they linked the two of them and I think they're looking at the same thing. So David right. might be right. It might be it might be because it's for, through Gray Malkin's computer. Gray Malkin can do that. Yeah, because it, it does say Gray Malkin's computer is called Professor. Um which is that. I've noticed in this too is actually voiced by the, the Professor Xavier guy. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah that is pretty neat. Um so we see uh, a bunch of uh, uh what do you what do you call MacGuffins? Uh, which are just different devices that uh, that Apocalypse has around as part of this ritual. Oh. They do have that really great. There's like one single frame where he's holding the little sphere, and he's got oh, this like. I have that. Do you have that picture where he's like? Yeah, I think so. It's probably one of the coolest little like. Uh, there's one where it's like right on his face, and he's like sneering. Oh, so, uh, it's alright. We don't have it. I have a big there. Yeah, no, it's alright. Yeah. But the, this this thing, this orb thing he's holding, is part of the. Uh, Part of his plan, um, which he now explains to Wolverine, essentially. I think he's explaining to Wolverine now what he's going to do, right? 
Oh, yeah. No, no, not quite yet. No, no. Time. He just ex- he just is this where he's soliloquying about time. Not quite. No, no, not, not yet. Motion. And emotion yeah. and thought are unity. Yeah, which the, this whole thing about how telepaths secretly control time because of them being telepaths, okay, yeah. it's a bit of a stretch, a stretch for me, but I'll let it fly yeah, because too. it's a pretty great episode. But before <laughs> we get to that, we see uh, Bishop. It's, no, it's the way he words it. That's the problem. He says yeah. the problem with his plans have always been that there's this balance between good and evil. So to disrupt the balance between good and evil, he needs telepaths to like do a blast of telepathy. Like, I just don't understand the connection between telepathy and the balance of good and evil. He, he mentions he doesn't that explain that time is related to like, like telepaths something to do with the nature of their power is like something to do with, if you extend it in this place that it, they can use it to disrupt all of reality. Like, so it's very strange, but it's, it's weird. Yeah. Regardless, uh, we see Bishop who's still after the last three episodes wandering around the, the rainbow bridge here in episode of time <laughs> and being angry with his buddy. Bender just keeps showing up. Bender explains uh, that he may have created this place. He kind of forgot and that he's almost a custodian now. Uh, we're just cleaning up time because it gets dirty over the years. So essentially he built this axis of time. Um, I take care of things, you know, a little dusting, an occasional mop. You mean you're the janitor? Please. I prefer the term custodial engineer. He's a custodial engineer. And he also just before that said he built this place, which means obviously he's more powerful than just being a janitor. You know, like yeah. he's like, I think I built this place. I don't quite remember. But I like Most when he's of like my questions are involved with him and apocalypse. Well, and then he's like dust, like when he's showing these custodian, he's like sweeping, and then he just like picks a hole up out of the ground, like and then sweeps the dust under it and closes it. Like that little stuff's kind of cute and fun. Um, and the character mm-hmm. I liked more in this episode, I know he's just supposed to be a goofy, like, you know, nothing really, but some of the stuff, he a lot says of the that, things were better in this episode, but when you get there's the vibe that there's more to him than him just being some weird extra dimensional imp that's bothering cable when it seems like he actually has something to do with the creation of this place and his dialogue got a little less goofy and a little more like there's something behind it, which is what made him cooler to me anyway, at least more interesting. You spoke of creating an alternate future in which mutants would rule, as I have always dreamed. And you were fool enough to believe me. <laughs> Boot there, right? Not quite. No. Almost. Okay. Uh, so Magneto's basically like, when am I going to get my wife and kids back? Uh, you know, which is what Apocalypse had promised him. So Apocalypse never like, believe somebody if they tell you they're going to give you your dead wife and kids back. Like that's, <laughs> that's always that like, always that's leads like somebody movie. to folly. Yeah, yeah, always. exactly. I mean, grief is is a powerful thing, and if you can prey it, on someone so you get to use them for what you want, sure. But it's always like there's it's how they always like it's how they always get the villain that's not quite a villain fully to go along with the other villain. It's always something like that because that 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 villain always has a tragic story. And then there's some worse villain that's like, hey, I can fix that tragic story for you if you help me do this terrible stuff over here. And then they always cameo go so far, this... but then turn at the last minute and help the good guys because it's further than they want to go. It's like, it's like every... you have so many to choose from. Who's going to turn on him? Is it going to be Magneto? Is it going to be Sinister? Is it going to be Mystique? He has oh, so I, many people Sin- working Sinister for seems to have no real dog in this fight like as far as turning on him. but yeah, He's so... chilling. This is where Apocalypse <laughs> reveals his whole plan. Um, so all the telepaths sort of go out and um, uh, are all circling like the, the beam of light that's coming out of the, the axis. And uh, when Magneto kind of asks him what's going on, he this is where he explains it all. The telepaths have some connection because of their abilities to time. 
in that if you can exploit it here in the Nexus, you can use it to reset time, destroy all of reality essentially, and then rebuild it in your own image, which is what he wants to do. So that sounds like a lot of work to me, doesn't it? Like rebuilding all of reality in your own image. I'm sure Apocalypse is up to the task. Um, Wouldn't it be boring? Like it was just like, there'd be nothing interesting because it'd be all, it'd be everything I designed. So I wouldn't be surprised by anything. I, that's, I mean, that's, but like, that's every apocalypse plan is that his ultimate goal doesn't sound that exciting. Yeah. Um, I guess if you're an alter narcissist, the world of you does sound pretty good, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think like this, uh, this scheme of his <laughs> reminds me a lot of like um, the Dark Tower. You see mm. the King's Dark Tower. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, one. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I haven't read it all. I've been meaning to, it's one of the things I've been meaning to do soon. So, it's, well, uh, It'll be right. coming soon. Well, no, go ahead. Uh, you, you, you're not going to ruin it for me. It's fine. Well, just yeah, the yeah, similarities yeah. between with that and going on in there, but I, and I, it makes me wonder which preceded which. Uh, it'd be interesting to see. Ooh, this well, series many, well, or the Dark Tower? Well, the first book definitely came out before this. Well, yeah, I mean, there were huge gaps between each yeah. book, but I think that... Because um, Wizard of the Glass, I remember reading when I was a kid. And that would have been probably around this time, but that, but I think it was an older book at that time. There were, there were, there were many years between Wizard and Glass and the fifth book. Um, he didn't start writing the last three until after his uh, his axes, his car accident, right. where he was nearly killed. And right, because um, he that plays into the book, does it not? It does play yeah. into the book, but he um, there's a there's a he wrote a book called Hearts in Atlantis. Mm-hmm which was adapted into a movie and um, the, the movie actually stays fairly faithful to the book, but in the book, uh, the book is a stealth dark. It turns out in the end, it's like a stealth dark tower novel. Oh really? Awesome. Yeah. So like Anthony Hopkins character is a psychic in the, and in the film, he's a psychic on the run from the CIA who um, the government wants him to be using his powers in the efforts in the cold war. And is so, it, is it because they always books tentatively sort of connect? So, is it the same group that like the Firestarter people are running from? I feel like yeah. that was a connection. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, and so in the book, it's it's not the government, it's um, it's the group working for the Crimson King. Oh, cool. And uh, they want him for his powerful psychic abilities. Oh, right. Because um, they want, they're, they're, it turns out that they're rounding up all these powerful psychics. And forcing them to use their powers to break down the beams of space and time. Oh my God, wow, that's like this, this is, exact, exact this same exactly story. like this. Yeah, yeah and they all all the beams connect to one central structure, the Dark, the dark tower. tower. Yeah. So when I was watching anything, this, they're I, probably doing an homage to Stephen King, if anything. But when well, do they get to that point? Because that that's not that book's like that I mean, movie was like Atlantis, early two thousands, wasn't it? Hearts in Atlantis is, I think, like either it's either a late nineties book or an early two thousands. Oh, wow. So I wonder if like Stephen King binged X Men after his accident. <laughs> That'd be did. amazing if he did. I always assumed the, Stephen King was a listener of this show. In one of the books, um, he the describes movie came out in two thousand and one. So the book would have had to come out earlier than that, obviously. Yeah, so in one of the books, he, there's these robot writers that he describes as looking like Doctor Doom. So he like he's a Marvel dude. Oh wow! He actually yeah. says Doctor Doom in the book. That's right, he does. Right. Uh, 
So Hearts and Landis was a novella in in the, the it was based on one of the short stories in Hearts and Landis book called Low Men in Yellow Coats. Yeah. Oh, his when novellas that, are his best stuff. When, so when was that published? I think ninety nine. What? We got 19, him. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> got, got him. It. Got you, King. We figured you out. You're ripping <laughs> off X-Men. <laughs> Send bleeding cool another message, Andre. We got a scoop. Uh, I will, I will. <laughs> we we managed we made it on the bleeding cool site because Lawrence Bain said in our in our when we talked to him that he was in the new season, but that hadn't been announced yet. Oh so uh we, we managed We're to scoop over on there here somehow. That was kind of right. cool. But uh, yeah, so Apocalypse has this grand scheme. He's going to undo all of reality, rebuild it in his own image. Blah blah blah. Uh, Magneto, of course. Oh, I got that. Aspects of a single power that is beyond oh, comprehension to all but myself. Oh yeah, that's where I was like, you ever heard of Kang? But then like this episode explains that. So this episode really Kinda. is pretty tight. Yeah. Um, so this, at this point, Magneto's realizing, well, this doesn't seem like a plan that's going to bring my wife back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to destroy all of reality and then supplement it with the one that I create. Uh Uh-huh. Where's my wife? In all of your soliloquies, you haven't mentioned my wife once, Apocalypse. Yeah. I'm starting to get a bit of a... (laughs) They only, they only injected his, the fact he had a dead wife, um, in this season. Like we didn't, that wasn't really a motivation for Magneto before at all. It was only no. the episode where we met uh, Scarlet Witch and uh, Quicksilver, oh, or we got their origin story that that we learned that right. So I oh, always love. And Apocalypse is like, like Magneto's like, well, this is what I signed up for. And Apocalypse is like, you dare defy me? And it's like you lied to him the whole time. It's not like he defied you. He didn't sign up for any of this. Well, Magneto declares the sinister. He's like, I knew he was full of it all along. I just yeah. wanted, to, I wanted to go along with this until I could get. The straight story out of him, mm-hmm. which seems pretty far to go. Existence yeah. appealed to me. Oh, I don't have the end of that quote. He's like, "Recreating existence appeals to me," but he's just like, "Yeah." Then he goes, "But defying apocalypse would be like a fool's errand. You'd be crazy to do." Well, that, that we learned that in a second. So, apocalypse yeah. after Magneto's like, "Well, screw you." Apocalypse attacks him. He has his horseman. One of his horsemen comes out. I believe it's death because it's one of the skull in his face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I love long dramatic nose. I'm probably gonna play that clip four or five more times. That's that's way later. That's like during the fight, right? When he goes at the window. Yeah, I just wanted to go. No, anyway, <laughs> it's a pretty great no, I gotta say. But uh, so Death comes out and he's like, you know, help me dispatch Magneto, and then Death attacks him and turns out it's Mystique in disguise, which I always find funny because like Death has the scythe and it's electrified, and then the scythe hits Apocalypse and like and hurts him, and then. The scythe and everything turns into mystique. Like, did she just make a weapon out of her body that does something else? It's a great question. It's <laughs> a great question. Does if it ever so, she's insanely body? powerful. I should just just make Thor's hammer and run around using that. If it, if it, oh well, yeah. I mean, it's not going to do Thor's hammer stuff. Well, it I don't know. Like that's, that's crazy spear or uh, scythe stuff. But it's uh, I do well, like watching cool. her transform. It's pretty cool when they do that in the series. So. Yeah. So in this I, series, if something weird's happening, though, it's always Mystique. Like, there's so many times that, like, the character's just like, ah, it's Mystique! <laughs> Actually, you weren't that far ahead of me. That happened right here. So during this fight okay. where uh, Mystique and Magneto um, start attacking Apocalypse, uh, during the, the trading of beams, uh, one hits Apocalypse and he goes through the wall and then falls down into time, I guess, like, because there's nothing stopping him. So he's just <laughs> into falling time. into the abyss. 
He's like, no. But then his, uh, his horsemen fly out after him, so they're going to rescue him. And this is where Magneto tells Sinister, like, you know, this isn't what we signed up for. He's going to undo all of time. And Sinister is already aware of that and quite happy to play along as he wants to remake time as well. He's like, this sounds fun to me, remaking existence. I mean, it does sound kind of great. If you could make reality whatever you want it to, you don't get old, you don't die, your loved ones don't die, life's a great, happy time. Doesn't that sound like a good time? I mean, maybe sacrificing all, I mean, the amount of lives that you would destroy in destroying all of reality would be, I guess, in theory, infinite. So you would create a lot of death. But if you're a narcissist, well, who's no the new life looks like you. His whole deal is genetic experimentation, right? Like you, yeah, genetic... sinister, sinister. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like I don't. I guess he's in it for the eugenics. But yeah, you wouldn't totally have to it. experiment if you're building reality from the ground up. Whatever you were trying to get to with your genetic experiments, you could just create. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I guess he thinks like you know I can just do eugenics from scratch. I suppose, yeah, yeah, yeah. which would probably be a, an ultimate dream of someone in his position. Because you're getting Cause into the, the thing about Yeah, because that's exactly it. Because the thing about Sinister is he likes to have the complete picture. Like they've written it into comics recently where he has literally everyone's on the everyone on the planet's DNA. So Which is insane. One would assume he has, well, he has no, eight billion listen, DNA samples hidden away somewhere. Well, here's the thing, because he has hundreds of clones of himself. So one would assume there's a sinister clone working at like maybe even thousands of clones of himself at this point. He's been doing it. It'd have to be years billions probably to get the no but think about it so he has a clone of here's my theory he has a clone of himself at every hospital so every time somebody's born he gets their dna that's the only way i could figure that but even just the story and cataloging of that would be insurmountable i guess we are in a world where magical things happen so whatever but he maybe sinister is the guy behind all of these like ancestry and 23 and me yeah that's a great story actually That'd be a great story. See, that's why you work for Marvel and we don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got to put me in these meetings, man. That's right. Yeah, they do. The, those getaways where they have a nice resorts and stuff, they totally get away. Well, every once in a while, someone in a horror comic or, or book or movie will do something where there's like a vampire that works for the blood bank or something, you know, getting on the ground floor. So it's, just, it's very similar, does. you know. Yeah, yeah you know, exactly. he's just like, he's, he's on the DNA thing. It's funny because a friend of mine, actually a friend of mine, um, has like a very positive 23 me story, which I just found out recently. Um, he had a stepfather growing up. He didn't have a really close relationship with his biological father. He was always kind of a dink. And then um, he found out after doing a 23 me test at Christmas this past year, that the person he thought was his biological his father dad. is not his biological father. Nice. And oh. he, and he connected with the real guy who is like a sweetheart and a beautiful person who had no idea that he even existed. And now oh, wow. he has a wonderful relationship with him. The guy's like, He's like grandpa to his kids. They play. He sent me photos of them playing together, like with the kids. And oh, that's it's awesome. like I was like, you have like one of the few like really positive because most of those stories are like if you find out it's not your real dad, you like the dad you thought was your dad who's in the other room with your mom isn't your dad. You know, like that. That's a way worse story than like you know finding what you had never had. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's yeah. nice to hear. Yeah, yeah I'm like you should really tell them your story. And... <laughs> you didn't what know. <laughs> no, <laughs> sleeper agent. I gotta start watching that show. I'm really behind. There's like um, two episodes of it. Oh, I guess I get on the ground floor. 
Um, the one thing that really annoys me about it, maybe, and this is obviously a sidebar, maybe Adam has something to contribute to this, but the fact they use AI art for uh, the intro. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people are like comparing that controversy. Is it a controversy? I don't know. I'm confused about the whole thing. I, uh, I mean, I find it controversial. I yeah, but, I do. But it affects it affects they should, me. Jobs. Yeah. yeah, like like if you looked at the beautiful like end credit sequences to She Hulk, which were all hand drawn by. Oh, those uh, were awesome. I know. Like, and then then they have this one where they just uh, made a bunch of like just oh, nothingness. Yeah, threw in a bunch of scroll images and a bunch of Nick Fury or Samuel Jackson images and made these messed up AI art things that they just use for the credits. And they claim it's like oh, well, it's supposed to be. You don't know what's real, what's not, and AI plays into that. So that's supposed to be part of it. But it also plays into the fact you didn't have to pay anybody to do that, which I think is so, is, is what the main Ed, reason for this is. Adam, as an insider, did they do it so they didn't have to pay somebody? Well, Adam doesn't. Know. I reckon they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, so. I, I respect that opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. He's on to something there. But, uh, but, you know, okay, I understand the controversy, I guess. Because, like, you know, all it does is, like, it doesn't make It'll anything look new. Good. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't make anything good. new. It just garbles together. Like, if I said do art in the style of Chris Claremont, it just goes through all of Chris, or not Chris Claremont, um, George Perez. Yeah, it's it all just goes through all George Perez's stuff yeah. and makes something out of that. It cobbles something together from all the stuff that came before it. It doesn't create in a vacuum. Like, uh, it it's has like, to copy something. Yeah. I contend so. it's not artificial intelligence, at least not. No, it's not. It's, it's sci-fi sense. People keep calling it AI, but it's not. It's just like everything else, like Google or everything else. It's just content aggregation. Well, it's That's been around it for a long time. Like whenever you use, like if you contact Amazon to complain about a package, the thing you talk to is just one of these. It's not actually a person. You know, it's yeah. like, what's the problem? And then you answer yeah. that. And then it says, well, yeah. we're sorry to hear that. Here's this. It's just a bigger version of that. It's like what chat GPT yeah. is and all that sort of stuff. So it's not like I think we're we're still a fair ways from Skynet films. Now, well, maybe I could be wrong. <laughs> Although, if I recall correctly, all that happened before. Now, like, didn't the War of the Machines happen in like the early, like in like twenty 2020 twenty or twenty? Because like when Terminator One came out, it was eighty mid eighties. Yeah, but with all these sequels, they've been delaying to like Judgment Day left uh, and right. Sh- they should have stopped with T two. T two is when they actually. I liked. The third one, um, uh, not not as much as the second. No, one. the third one's not good. T two is one of the best movies ever, though. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah. And T one is fantastic too. I mean, those are both great yeah. movies. So uh, basically, they get in a big fight with uh, the the four horsemen. Uh, Magneto during the fight, uh, Mystique tells Magneto to go on. She'll try to hold them off. He goes and helps. Uh, re- There's a great. Do you have this line? Which uh, where, what uh, once was now will never be. <laughs> what will be I shall determine yeah that's a great line. Wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, no it wasn't but it was uh, it was when uh, actually no it's a little later on it's not right here um, and I'll, I'll we'll do that it's a little exchange between was it the small Magneto. guy line no yeah. the one where he's no. like look at me helping look at me helping uh, helping because uh, they, they exchanged that earlier like, yeah that, well later on during the fight they do where he says like look at me helping uh helping Magneto what am I Xavier mm-hmm. you know or save saving Magneto what am that's I that's a great line and then the later on line, later on Magneto saves him and says look at me helping uh you what does that make me an X-Man and then uh I, I like that little nod especially seeing knowing a little bit about what's coming in the, the X-Men season to come 
that he kind of is sort of co-leading the X-Men or at least trying to in some manner is kind of fun. Yeah. So um, I do Wolverine's really like line has layers though about Xavier helping Magneto. There's layers yeah. to that. That's a that's a great line. But uh, you know, Magneto's an interesting character in the show because he really only was a villain in the first season, and then after that he kind yeah. of became like an anti-hero sort of. Um, like first season Magneto was 60s Magneto where he was just all about like commandeering nuclear like yeah blowing up the world but then it was just about (laughs) but then it became about getting mutants away from humans with asteroid M and all that and then you know that blows up and he has like a almost like an existential crisis about what he really wants and then sort of changes even more but then comes back around with uh, when Apocalypse promises his dead family will come back but uh, basically, so Wolverine... Uh, the biggest character arc in this show, really. Hmm. So Wolverine gets with, in like, big... lead, ending up with him leading the X-Men. Right. Know? Wolverine gets in gets in on the fight, and then uh, uh, Sinister and Gorgeous George shows up with it. Not Gorgeous George. Ruckus shows up with the screaming, Ruckus. which uh, stops them all for a while before Grey Maul can bust through the wall. I forgot to mention earlier that when they discovered where Xavier was... Um, Cable just took off and Gray Malkin didn't wait for the rest of the X-Men. He's like, goodbye. <laughs> he just runs off and is gone. Leaves them all behind and they have no way. They have no time machines. So they have no way to follow. Cable does not care by this episode. You'd think he'd want some help, though. Like, you never know. Having yeah. other super-powered people in your corner would probably be good. Um, every time I see the it's nasty past, boy. It's past Tyler's bedtime, Andre. He needs I to get back. So. He needs to tuck Tyler in. <laughs> For that super jacked, ridiculous son that seems like a kid, but also has the body of like a super shredded, like thirty year old, <laughs> but like a voice of like he's a like, fourteen year old. Dad, I don't know about fighting the these Viking monsters. Yeah. Is. So Cable shows up on the the proverbial horse to uh, save the day, and we see Apocalypse mm-hmm. like growing to Galactus sizes, basically, to uh, oh, to attack no, him. No, no. Well, sentinel sizes for sure. He's pretty okay. big. Okay, that's, that's better. So the um, the 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 process is starting to work, where the uh, the the psychics are starting to erase piece of time, and you can see like little spheres that show different time periods disappearing. We see Mojo, we see uh, the Savage Land, we see some other thing. We see eventually see even the X Men disappear, and other things. So are you're just trying to burn all the X points on purpose, or what? No, there's so much more than that. So much <laughs> okay. more. All right, all right, all right. Come on, there's so much more. All right. We see Lalandra and them disappear. We see people in New York disappear. We see mm-hmm. the X-Men disappear. Um, so, like, it's starting to work. Okay, um, I have a problem with who, this. Okay. What was the name so, of Bishop's if partner? You were, she's Bishop's Shard. Shard, she's thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, here's my problem. If you're being erased from time, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen slow enough. For you to comment on it. it if you were being erased on time you never existed there's no there's no there's no time there for you to contemplate it that's not it that's not exciting from a from a visual standpoint of writing a tv show you can't just have like no. it just shows nothing and it's like they were never there to begin with they're playing no, but i might come in a point there. under yours we'll see but they did this through this whole yeah. show like e- even when um in the episode where cable and bishop showed up uh, with the time malarkey at the end of season two or somewhere in season two. Um, they uh, they were showing things disappearing from time and like Bishop's like, something's going on with time and like yeah, <laughs> they have to run yeah. back. So they do that all I the time. I have a problem with this. Yeah. 
It's it's like it's like um, I always make this joke about Back to the Future, and I have a lot of things to make fun of that that movie. It's a classic and whatever, but you know, like the 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 photo of him with his brother and sister that he's fading out of. Like, why yeah. would have they no, have that's taken a problem? Why would they have taken never a photo existed. where the brother and sister are off center? You know, like they're they're over here, and there's a big empty space there. Why would they have taken that photo if he was never there? Right, like. <laughs> Just, Hollywood's real off base here. They really need to consult my science division over at Live Long and Podcast mm. before they make these decisions. My biggest joke about that series is if if my wife had a, a a boyfriend or a guy that she liked in college, and then in the future we have a kid that suddenly grows up to look exactly like that guy, I'm going to start. And it was never your kid. Andre. I'm going to start assuming that that, that <laughs> there's no mystery. That kid is not mine. <laughs> so yeah, the, no you mystery know, there. Nobody ever put those like the old George. It, I, the joke I think I made at the time was like, like somebody would ask a question, but not George McFly. He's too busy hiring the guy that tried to rape his wife to clean his car. Like, <laughs> like, uh, like in the future, he hires Biff to be his like janitor. But in the past, Biff tried to rape his wife. I don't care how much time has passed or how much you want to emasculate him. I don't think I'd want that guy around in my life. Certainly not hiring him to give him money for a job. Uh it's George McFly was, was an interesting dude. <laughs> yeah, he sure was. <laughs> I mean, even Crispin Glover is a pretty interesting dude. That guy, I think, is a vampire. I saw the new Guillermo del Toro series on Netflix that he's he's in. It's like um, a Cabinet of Curiosity, so every episode is like a new little horror mini movie. Yeah. And he's in one based on H.P. Lovecraft story called Pickman's Model. And he doesn't look hardly any different than he did 20 years ago when he was in like charlie's angels like he almost looks exactly the same yeah yeah he and paul rudd drink from the same well do they that's true <laughs> I, oh, I mean crispin glover should be in a marvel movie i don't know who he'd be but he would he'd be interesting definitely a space character or something bad guy yeah like a weird space character like you know they made jeff goldblum the collector beside or not the, the collector, yeah, yeah. The make him one of the elders of the universe he can be the traitor you can mm. really like we haven't seen him yet no. Um, so Bishop's uh, basically being told by Bender that uh, someone's messing with time, which is apocalypse that he kind of reveals here, um, because the the pathway they're on is starting to disappear because whatever apocalypse is doing. So, uh, so Bishop, like it's so funny because Bishop's wandering around for like three episodes with this guy's just been like bedeviling him, <laughs> and at no point did he ever yeah. tell him what what's going on or why he's there. Until the very last minute when the plan is already in action. Like, obviously, Bender knows what's going on or what's attempted to be going on. It is kind of getting leading Bishop towards helping to stop it. But he could have given him some information before this, I guess. <laughs> anyway, so he knows Apocalypse is screwing with time. Um, and uh, he sees the, uh, the the glass cases with the... Um, with the psychic circling the beam of light. So he, he thinks this is part of Apocalypse's plan. So he just starts shooting them. And uh, he knocks one down, which shatters, and it's Psylocke. Um, which, who yeah, he questions knows, about apparently. that, too. But yeah, he's like, Psylocke, what are you doing here? How do you do know a lot her? Of very strange things. Yeah, he because he, like, he never met her before in the series, and she's from his distant past, like ancient history yeah. to him. So uh, it's just so funny. But anyway, she's like, she kind of lets him in that they're draining the psychics and it's all part of the project. So he starts shooting and he needs to shoot the others down. So he starts <laughs> shooting, shooting the other be the other uh, psychics out of their glass cases. And then uh, as he's doing this, time starts reforming. So the things that disappeared start coming back slowly. Um, so you can, yeah, which, on it. which is always interesting. It's like, is reality just like, 
like a computer, can you just undo things? Like if you wipe something from existence, can you just take it out of the recycling bin and put it back where it was in, in time? Like apparently so. That would be in the no. Nexus, you can. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Actually, it's good you know when you have my, the, Yeah, go ahead. You know what my answer to that would be? <laughs> I love the at the end. Uh, so then the apocalypse, apocalypse realizes that someone's messing with his plan. He uh, he for, grabs the um, the horsemen and they all come out after Bishop. Bishop's like five against one, like those odds, and just starts shooting at them. Yeah. Um, as you know, the space cool space cowboy people do. We see uh, wow, wow, wow. Sinister and the Nasty Boys are still hanging out, and they get in a fight with uh, Wolverine and Cable. Um, but then, that's where uh, we get this. That's where we get this line. Two small men, Sinister. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "What's one small man going to do?" And then uh, Wolverine joins in on the action. We see Sinister realize the tables aren't in his favor, so he makes a portal. And uh, and um, I was going to make this an X point, but I think I have enough stuff that I don't need to. Uh, as the as the nasty boys are running through their portal to disappear, Cable obviously shoots Gorgeous George. You see him get hit just before he goes through. Nice. Like, yeah, um, you do. And like, so, so he's dead on the other side. He could be. He very well could be. <laughs> I mean, no one really seems Portals to die in the show, just, but yeah, because they go through portals just in time. Yeah. So uh, I guess during the fight, Apoc uh, with uh, centuries of time to stop me. When will you learn it cannot be done? Guess I'm a slow learner. <laughs> That's a pretty great line. You mentioned you had a favorite line from him in the series. Did we hit it yet? No. And this, okay. You know when we do. Uh, okay, I don't yeah. have it yet. Oh, wait, unless it's this one. This one's wait, real. Wait until the it comes out. Let him tell us what it is and we'll play it. All right. All right. Um, so Apocalypse <laughs> circles back and tries to kill Cable. Cable manages to get his get his gun and shoot at that in that little exchange and shoot Apocalypse. Um, and then the, the time thing splinters away, like the whole castle rips away and there's just little pieces of it in time. Uh, cables running around, jumping off different pieces. Uh, they're just trying to survive in this sort of tempest. We see the, uh, the horsemen also trying to reform and attack them, but Magneto manages to, 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 uh, to dispatch them. And this is where the exchange happens. First, uh, Magneto takes a hit and Wolverine saves him and says, uh, you know, look at me saving, saving you. What does that make me Xavier? And later on when Wolverine takes a hit and is falling into time, uh, Magneto flies and picks him up and says, uh, which is also interesting. And this is just another stupid question, but doesn't Magneto fly because of manipulating gravity? Is there yeah, gravity no, in the nexus of time or no, manipulating no, uh, magnetic forces of the earth? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> like, is there a magnetic forces in, in the nexus of time? One would assume. I mean, they're all standing, so they're not floating in space. They'd be so different. I love like, Wolverine gets like a one, like Wolverine falls on the rock that Apocalypse is standing on. And then we get this fun little like Wolverine is ready to take on Apocalypse all by himself, which is like yeah. a great little Wolverine moment. But then oh, he gets, gonna, the, I, got, I got that line there. I think that's oh, yeah. a good line there. Oh, is this one? Is it? On, Mr. Change the Universe. Let's see if you can handle just one X-Man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So during when well, I think I, is is it we must have passed your line now, Adam, because there's, there's like no, no there's one near oh, the no. end, I think. There's one near what? the end. So yeah. You have so, traveled over 50 centuries of time to stop. Yeah, we, already, we already did that one. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, all right. Continue. Well, what made what made the place fall apart was that first MacGuffin he had that was in the ceiling, which was kind of making this light beam that was all part of the process got shot and shattered during the the fight with Cable. But now that all this is happening, basically, uh, Bishop makes him get, gets in on the fight, and uh, um, you know, Apocalypse is still ready to take them all out, forming big guns on his hands. But then we are surprised by Xavier, and so all the psychics are free from their uh, their prisons. And uh, they're all floating around and basically explain that now they're outside of time in this nexus where their powers are all encompassing. Uh, they, they have more power than even Apocalypse. And working together, and some of these people are obvious villains, so that's pretty funny to me. Uh, they, uh, they are going to put things back the way they were. And because time will go back to normal and Apocalypse never had his, his regeneration chamber, he will cease to exist because he never could regenerate and wouldn't be at this point in time, which doesn't make a lot of sense for other reasons, but that's fine. So uh, they, uh, they reset time. Apocalypse is erased from time, the timeline completely itself, meaning essentially this is the end of him for this entire series. Unless they find some, cause this is, uh, they'd have to have a hell of a workaround to bring him back from that. I mean, they could do something with the end of this episode, but basically as the X-Men, everybody goes back to their own timeline. We see Bender being the only one left um, in revealing, then saying it's he's going to have to work to put all this back together. And then he reveals his true form, which is that of oh. Immortus, the uh, one of Kang's uh, alternates or uh, timelines, which <laughs> is cool. But once again, if you didn't know anything about, if you just watched X-Men and just watched and this character nothing. and didn't read the comics, he would mean, you would have no idea who this character was or what he meant. We never saw him before. It does show you that he, Bender, was not what he was pretending to be but also like why would a guy with such gravitas as immortus who's just like the super almost shakespearean villain himself yeah. be goofing around like a robin williams genie knockoff like, yeah, just to get his point across get. yeah i don't get that but anyway he got what he wanted he get, apparently this was his time castle this is sort of inferred just from what i'm guessing um that and now he got it back so he's going to work on rebuilding it and putting the next of time back the way he had it so that's <laughs> Gray Malkin. Now take me back to a week before I left to my Why? son. Why a week? Would that wouldn't a week complicate things? Wouldn't there be two of him? <laughs> like wouldn't the, the, the one that didn't go back into like wouldn't there be two of him still then? Well, yeah, this issue this episode has some problems. They yeah, I kind of I'm kind of okay with it. most of it. So we see all the X-Men reunite, Cyclops and uh and Jean are back together and and uh, they, she makes a comment, but they don't have a lot of luck with their honeymoons. <laughs> There's an incredible goof here. Did you notice the, the huge goof at the end of this episode? No. All right, I'll explain it in my X points. So right. uh, Xavier asks uh, Magneto if it felt wrong fighting on the side of good with the X-Men. And, and uh, Magneto says, like, no, actually. Do you have this line? It's actually a pretty good line. No, my favorite line happened just before... Cable asked to be returned a week before. Oh, what do you say? Uh, Beast is congratulating them on on saving everything. Yeah. Must feel nice. And Cable's like, I don't care. <laughs> exactly. He does not care anymore. Yeah. By this episode, he is. Well, be, no, he, yeah, he does say, he says something to him like, so you've defeated, you've defeated the ultimate evil. Yeah, um, yeah. How do you feel, or how, to, or what? Do, what do you think will happen next? He goes, "I don't care." And it's like because he care. he posited earlier that evil has to exist, and if you destroy it, and <laughs> it's funny because this this reminds me very much of the last um, 
the last Halloween movie, which a lot of people hated, but Halloween uh, Halloween ends. ends. Yeah, where well, yeah, I actually liked it too. But where uh, where they say um, you know evil doesn't die, it just changes shape, and that yeah. was sort of what uh, what what Mike Mike Myers represented, but also what Apocalypse is representing in this instance. So yeah, I like that. But anyway, he says that it feels so wrong fighting with the X Men. He goes, "No, Charles, if we could restart the world, maybe, maybe things could be different." And which is like a nice little line. He said, "No, he said if we could restart the world, it could be possible again to like fight with the X Men." So that's nice. Actually, it's right here is where your line is. It's it's after that. He oh. says, "You've destroyed yeah. evil." Do you think the world has been Here's changed? And he goes, "Right now, I don't care." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Here's, the, here's the line for me from Apocalypse that's just killer delivery. Do what you will, for I fear no one. Like, it's such a simple line, but just the delivery, it's so good. Yeah, the delivery. Like, oh, oh, man. It's very Apocalypse. So, yeah. Uh, so then so, uh, Cable, Cable... He's so goes, uninterested. He's just like, he's so uninterested with everyone who's trying to stop him. He's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, you're not a threat to me. Yeah, Cable jumps back in Gray Malkin and goes back to his own time, and that's the end of the episode. And as far as the creators of the series go, they thought this was the end of the series. Yeah, that's what a uh, friend of the show, Eric Lee Wald, told us, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And then we got a fifth season, wow. for better or for worse. But, but by the time they got to this point, Eric Lee Wald was, he's the showrunner, he was paying the artist's salaries. No. Because well, that's because the, the animation studio changed the bond didn't want to. Well, no, because Saban got cheap. Yeah, well, the next season is a completely different uh, yeah. group of animators. Yeah. The B team, yeah. as we call them. When sometimes the, some team. of their episodes scattered into this one, and we always say the A team oh, yeah. and the B team. And the, 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 it's like, oh, yeah, the B team was working tonight. Yeah, yeah you can on this tell. one. Sometimes the faces, you can really tell it's the B team. All right, the end of the episode. Sometimes the, and sometimes the A team is just really good. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> For sure. Uh, is... Moving on to... Each of us will have to look into his own heart and decide. Decide, fellas. You get a decide. So Ratings of one, one, one to ten is the rating you get. Yeah, one to ten. Then. One to X. One to X. Oh, man. Well, this is like the series finale. Or sorry, the season finale. Yeah, they thought and it was the series finale when they did it. They thought it was series finale. Yeah. So I, looking at it from that perspective, they were doing everything they could, I guess, to wrap it all up. I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give it an eight. Yeah, Is that that's fair. fair. You know, what? when we talked earlier, I was told Dev and I'd probably give it a ten, but a closer inspection. Upon closer inspection of this episode, I may have to go with an eight or a nine because it is really fun, but there is a lot of holes. But it, but I like had a lot as of fun a. With it. Yeah, me too. And yeah. as a whole, this four-parter is pretty great. Like, if you just if you judge it as a whole, I'd probably give it a nine or a ten. Um, yeah, because it is pretty great. There's a lot. There's a lot of cameos. There's a lot of like cool throwbacks to old episodes and characters returning and uh, getting a little bit of like what seems like a uh, a final with some of them. So yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say nine. I'll give it a nine. Okay. But I mean, justify my eight. <laughs> just say no. Sure, go ahead. Um, as soon as Cable left every, left Earth, essentially, none of those characters had anything else to do. It was, I felt like Beast could have been super handy. So I, that, to me, is like a, a demerit point. And then... More Beast is always welcome. Oh, yeah. More Beast is always welcome. 
you get you get you get some nice Shakespearean quotes out of that. And uh, <laughs> Tennyson could have matched. <laughs> yeah, could have matched wits. With <laughs> there was one episode where he uh, like it's just in the middle of some big fight. He just quotes something. He just goes Tennyson at the end. <laughs> and it's just like like, like well, you know. One of our favorite little moments where, like, 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 why would you go to all that effort, like, like, just to show off in the middle of a big battle, or where no one can, nobody can even hear him. He's saying it to himself. <laughs> like, <laughs> he has to, he has to acknowledge yeah. it to himself. That's what's hilarious. He gives credit where credit is too. That's true. He's a fellow who doesn't forget the clip notes, you know, he or the uh, the the references. I should. All say. right, what are you giving it, Devin? Let's see. Eight. Eight, I feel like my nine's too high now. I'm gonna, I'm changing. No, those. look, no, nah, I think well, it's eight. I think I, eight, my heart, I'm changing my heart seven because I think you like this one better than I did. Okay, that's fair, <laughs> but I think eight is probably more where I would, I would, I would fall. All right, we'll go three. Eight's eight a high number, 80 percent on a test there. is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, eight out of ten is a good movie. Yeah. Like, that's that's pretty I've probably solid. only given out three or four tens this entire season or series. I think the only really low one we we both all gave was the Morlock Christmas one, that one was terrible. <laughs> really terrible. Was like, oh my god. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a unanimous eight. Uncanny X points. All right. Well, we didn't uh tell you to come prepared, uh Adam, because that's part of the show. I try to tell Andre as little as possible as well. I like everyone to be unprepared. Uh, that's just how we do things right here. So, uh, Andre, you go first. What's your export? Well, the first one that I was going to mention is the um, that 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 blunder I said that that goof. So after they're yep. back, after they've restored time and they're back where they all should be, when Magne- when Xavier says to Magneto, "Did it feel so wrong, Magnus fighting alongside the X Men?" Uh, Xavier is standing beside Magneto. He's not is in, it in the astral plane. No, they're back on Earth outside of the uh, outside of the, uh, the school. Uh. He's uh, obviously wow. standing and not in a chair, and he moves his hands and everything like it's all. He's very much. It's very much a goof. Well, he's not paralyzed of the arms. No, he's standing like he's in. Like he's okay. not in a chair. Yeah. They're standing right beside each other. That's interesting. Very clearly a, a, a mistake. All right. Well, I'll go next. I guess with one of the catch points here. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, here's one. Uh, well, you already teased it. They show they're showing a bunch of scenes from like things that are being erased from time. Like they show Mojo for some reason. Yep. And they show the di- they show the dinosaurs. Um, they show which could be the, the Savage Land or just the dinosaurs. It's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, they show Columbus, uh, like because it's definitely like one of his ships. You can tell, and they also so show Hiroshima. So like yeah, you do you do see a never happen. You do see a nuclear explosion. That's right. Yeah, you do. So it's interesting the things they just like chose to show being erased. That's yeah, and they show a Neanderthal. Maybe what's a Neanderthal? A caveman, anyway. Hmm. But you know, if they erase erase the Neanderthals, that screws up well the three of us anyway, because everyone of European descent has Neanderthal DNA. So some of our DNA is getting wiped out there, fellas. Well, I mean, all of existence was getting wiped out, so we'd be gone anyway. Last I checked, I'm part of all of existence. So, um, 
Yeah, my point. I guess I'll go. I'll steal this one before you get to it. Is uh, all of the cameos of the uh, the, the psychics. Uh, quite a cavalcade of psychic cameos. I'm not gonna bring all the cameos in one X point, are you? Sure, am. we got Rachel Summers in there. We got Strife. Got We're Strife going to add them. Cool. We got Strife, Emma Frost, briefly Mastermind, Mesmero, Oracle, Games Master, Karma. They list Shadow King here, but I don't remember seeing him. Um, I didn't see Shadow King either. Was Typhoid Mary a psychic? Because she was in yeah. one of them. Okay. Um, I saw her. Yeah. Pyrokinesis. You see Gremlin very briefly, which is a pretty uh, a pretty obscure character like Gargoyle's son. Um, mm-hmm. oh then, my God. Uh, is that who that was? That little I'm, thing with wow, the like it looked like little Charlie Brown looking dude with the the head. Um, There's a guy who looked like um, Ola from the Green Lantern, but obviously I was I was going to say that it's it's my gargoyle hero. Oh, gargoyle is cool. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, there was one that's obviously looks like Ganthet or, or one of the one of the, the the Green Lantern Guardians. It looks exactly like one, and I'm pretty sure it's not a Marvel one of them. Looks like anywhere. one of the Cree recorders as well. Oh, possibly. So yeah, a who's who, if you will, of uh, of obscure psychic characters in the Marvel universe. Yeah, well, I, I thought think that we might have forgot a couple. Go ahead, so then I'm make a next do... point. Got to follow up with my X points. Um, did you mention Rachel? Rachel's clearly there. I did. Rachel's. She was the first one, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and you mentioned Weingard and Mesmero. I didn't say but Weingard. Did you? I forgot about him. Oh, yeah. Weingard's yeah. there. Ma- mastermind. He's definitely yeah. there. But here's someone who would like, I don't know. It looked, one of those characters looks like Dr. Druid to me, the Avenger. Oh, Dr. Druid. Now, he has he a lot of powers. Guys. Maybe he's magical. Like, is Doctor Strange psychic? No, but he could probably me read your mind somehow if he wanted to. But isn't know. Strife like Apocalypse from a different timeline? No, he's a complete yes. clone of Cable. Yeah. Or sorry, that's what I meant. Cable of a different different timeline. He's just a clone of Cable. He says he's the original Cable. Okay, so that's the fun there. Man, comics are so fun. <laughs> like after yeah, centuries, like not centuries, they but really like eight, eight decades of comic continuity, you have like to try to explain something to somebody <laughs> now about like where someone comes <laughs> from in any, like Marvel's a little easier to keep track. DC is like with all their crises, like a Donald show, but where it's like this guy's the, like how many versions of cable are there? There's cable, there's strife, there's X man. There's uh you know, mostly just those three. Okay. It's still a lot. It'd be so yeah. weird living in a world where there's another version of you running around, like a younger version yeah, of you there's... or an evil version of you. Or like imagine yeah. like when the X-Men, like that Bender story where there's like a teenage version of yourself in the same world as you just running around being a superhero like Cy- yeah. Cyclops, you know, you just run into your teenage self. All new X-Men. Yeah. So so strange. Hmm. Um okay, where's my next X point? Uh, uh, let's go to Adam. You got anything? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think anything. I, I think I mentioned it throughout the episode. About mm-hmm. any, any little tidbits that I noticed. Um, I my thing was the cameos as well. Like I said, that that's the type of stuff that I was always drawn to when I would watch the show. Is they would show you something of a character that is from another part of the Marvel universe or the X Men universe, mm-hmm. and that's what would catch my eye. So that's. What caught my eye about this episode? I didn't catch any bloopers, to be honest. Um, yeah, so I don't think I have any good X points. So I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. 
That's fair. So my so my next one. Now? I'll yeah, do yeah. my third one, I guess. Uh, yeah. This episode was originally intended as a series finale, as I mentioned earlier, uh, but then uh, last minute Fox ordered more episodes, uh, which the team didn't ex- didn't think was going to happen. And because of that, this is the last episode in the series with the original animation style. This is when they- yeah, they all had already found new jobs. Oh. Yeah. Like the sh- the showrunner's gone. He found a new job. The Larry Houston, the director, he found a new job. He was overworking at like like gi joe or like something like a lot of them ended up on some of the other marvel properties like running like silver surfer and some of those other cartoons but like yeah they all left they all found new jobs they told they were fired (laughs) it's like you're unfired come back you're you're unfired we need you there's still money to be made don't make us use the b team for the whole thing yep i wish they did so, uh, yeah, last episode. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, what do I got you, left? Since you like, well, maybe you like, you t- made so many X points, a single X point. Um, <laughs> did you say Moon Dragon? Yes. Moon Dragon was there. Okay. That's true. <laughs> oh my God, it's all right. All right. Well, you know what? I'm pretty much out of X points because I rolled a bunch of them into a single one, too. I had three different X points. One was Columbus, one was Hiroshima, and one was like, dinosaurs. And I made them all one X point. Well, so according, according, according to my resources, this episode is the final appearance in the series of Cable, Bishop, Shard, Archangel, Psylocke, and the Nasty Boys. All right. Well, you know what? I am. I Here's an X point because. So, yeah. So, like. They threw the whole basket into a cable thing. Like they thought the series was ending, and they're like, "Let's just make it all about cable," which well, is kind of wraps up. Considering like up. they didn't wrap up all these characters they've been building this entire series, you know, it didn't try to like wrap up the love triangle between Wolverine and Cyclops, or like I think that's you know, already been the... dealt with. Oh well, maybe. Like, well, we did say but... when they were getting married again that he was had just long as he treats her well, he's he just wants Jean to be happy. Um, but we didn't like the for, for being the last four episodes of what they assumed was the entire series. Uh, Jubilee has no lines. Gambit has no lines. Yeah, Rogue has no lines. Yeah. Rogue, uh, exactly. They threw. I don't think Rogue's like, even in the fight at all in this one. Neither I love Gambit. when that happens. They're like Rogue's off on another mission. It's like reality is being like what other mission is more important? <laughs> like all of reality yeah. can be erased. Yeah, we even asked Lenore Zahn when she was on the show if she like went on vacation or something because they're like we we're we're in a point where they've like written you out of like eight episodes in a row and they just keep talking about your secret mission and then they never tell you what that secret mission is. It's like oh she's rogue still on that mission. They just like drop that into every episode. <laughs> and like Cyclops is only that. in like four episodes in this entire season. Oh man, they totally neglect Cyclops. And he wasn't really in this one at all, and uh, barely in the last one. Like that's I don't the think... thing they they found out other than Morph who was incredibly popular they found out who was the all the most popular characters and threw them into this episode so they're like oh the popular villains are like Mystique Apocalypse and Sinister throw them in there people love Wolverine you gotta get him in there people love Cable and Bishop like but 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 that is strange though actually never mind I take that back because people loved Rogue and Gambit they were probably the most popular in this show they're not even in this four parter really. Not really, and Jean Grey's barely in it. Like, but you know, like as far as like trying to 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 kind of have what seems to be a sort of final battle, but a sl- slightly off panel between Wolverine and Sabretooth, 
They kind of wrap up Cable's fight with Apocalypse. That gives them reasons for Magneto and Xavier to seemingly bury the hatchet. Like it all, it does tie up a, a good amount of things in a decent little bow. Although, bit like I'm curious what happened when Bishop got back to his timeline because every time Bishop, it's like the third time Bishop's been back screwing around with time. And every time he shows up, he always goes back to his own time. And Forge is like, it's still <laughs> fucked up. You gotta, you gotta go back. You're like, and Forge is always just like, well, if you did change things, I'd never know. In the yeah, I'd never know, but it's still messed up. So, so you gotta do something well, I else. guess I'll listen to what you're saying. because He's like Sisyphus. Like, it just never ends. He just pushes that boulder uphill for eternity. Every time he goes back yeah, to his timeline, it's never right. Um, I almost think they were doing the Sisyphus thing with him on purpose, but yeah, it's kind of like maybe as a tongue cheek gag. With with um with Bishop and Cable, I always forget. But are they? Do they exist in the same future, just years no. apart, or they're no. from two alternate no, futures? No, no, no. Bishop is the future where Sentinels fuck everything up. Cable is from the future where Apocalypse does. Okay, but they're both very like why. Yeah, cable's direct? way later. Bishop's like like eighty years ahead of us, whereas yeah. Cable's like two hundred years. But we're all, supposed to be on the same timeline, right? No. Okay. No. But then why would they keep interacting? Like, because they're two separate. Like, that's because they're both time travelers, I guess. Interesting. Oh, it's so God. weird. Like they're both leaving their own times to like, yeah, anyway, branch timeline theory. You know, hmm. watch the Loki series; it'll explain it better than I will. Well, I watched it. It's pretty good. Yeah. I'm excited to see the second yeah. season, but I guess we'll probably have to wait a while on that with the writer's strike. And I guess Marvel's probably waiting to find out what's going to happen with Jonathan Majors' law case before they proceed with having him around. So, uh, Well, they just arrested the, his accuser, so that's probably looking good in his favor. Yeah, I heard that she might be tra- charged, too, for something, so maybe maybe it'll yeah, go back to... like I. I don't want to make judgments about whatever people do in their personal life. I mean, obviously, if he did something wrong and illegal and violent, then that's 100% on him. But it'd be yeah. a real shame. It'd be As a comic fan, it'd be a shame if he didn't get to be Kang anymore because he's so good. But I would happily not want to see him anymore if he did do what he's accused of doing. Um, it's just he's a good actor, so I'm, it'd be neat if he got to hang around. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll see. obviously, I, I don't endorse him if he if he is guilty of the crimes he's accused of. I'm going to say that was 10 X points. I have no idea. Sure. It was. Seemingly so. But it's X, pretty goddamn X close. Wounds, I must say. Uh, let us know. Let us know. How many <laughs> if you're counting, you're missing the point of the show. Hey, check this out. Hey, check this out. This is our comic reminiscences and recommendations segment. Uh, well, I usually go first because mine usually has something to do with the episode. Does it um, this time? This time it well, no, not really, but I will say since we saw Stripe, go check out um, um, Executioner's Song. It's kind of the first big, tra- it, like it was, it came with all the trading cards and like the the, the sealed packages. Do they Clint reveal Clint who he is when he first appears, or does that come much later? Like, you know that, that he's a, a cable clone in that story? It happened, the, the reveal is in that story, as I recall. Okay. He showed up before that story, but like that was the big strike story. Um, but no, here's what I'm gonna say because it's on my list. Actually, I haven't read this, but I'm gonna re- recommend it to myself. The New Mutants, ah. Dead Souls. <laughs> Who by Craytel uh, draws by, that? I don't know, but he's uh, a young upstart. He's quite good. I don't know. Uh, 
I'm, I'm digging it, though. I want to check it out more. Look, this is the New Mutants plus Guido. I'm there, man. Like, I'm often teased by Andre about my love of Guido. Um, I just think the name Guido seems weird to me. Oh, man, he's a Guido if there was ever a Guido. <laughs> if there ever was a Guido, it's him? Yeah, oh, for sure. For sure. I feel like and that's like Magic, one of my favorite Italian characters people. ever. Yeah, well, yeah, and he is Italian. But, you know, that's not the point. I mean, it is if it's I don't offensive. Think that's the point. Okay. It's well, his I hope, name. I hope you enjoy it. Well, I, I will, I think, because I love the new mutants and Just, I love uh, your art, man. That's carry like, on that's, one sec. I'll break. That's one of the best Guidos I've ever seen. Gotta tell you. <laughs> and uh, magic, like all of it. That's that's solid stuff, man. And honestly, like drawing the Ninja Turtles is its own like art form, and you nail it, man. Because they're you. also like. Well, they're also similar, and you know, it, it could very. It's very easy to make. I think it could be very easy to make them uninteresting because of that. Yeah. But so they they almost have to be very kinetic and that kind of things. And I think you nail that. Well, thank so, you. Yeah, man. So I'm looking forward to reading this. Um, uh, written by Oh Rosenberg. I uh, forget his first name. Matthew. Matthew. Yes, yes. I've read I've read a few things by him. So I'm looking forward to that. So that's my recommendation. Everyone go check out New Mutants Dead Souls. I'm going to check well, I, it out. I second that recommendation. Yeah. What else would you recommend they read of yours, Adam? Like, if you had to pick from your own catalog, what would you suggest? From my own catalog? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man. I would recommend people check out um, Godzilla Rivals versus King Ghidorah because I wrote and drew it. Um, oh wow! And so the first it's the first thing that I've written, and obviously I, I'd like to write more. But as it is, uh, I think it's pretty cool. Oh, I'm checking that out too. Yeah, yeah. Top of the pile. That's what I say. All right, Andre, what do you got? I can't hear Andre. Can you? Sorry, nope. I oh. muted my. Uh, I had to run because I just heard a huge bang, like something large fell over. And we we have a kitten that's we've had for about three four months now. Right, and right. She, she has a tendency. There's like a Italy. bug that she, she yes, that's her name. She and there's a bug or something in the house. She goes nuts like trying to get yeah. it. So um, I feel like <laughs> she probably saw. Season. Yeah, so I uh, she knocked over the fan in the living room. I just sent it so I wanted to go make sure she didn't knock over the TV or something important. Um, so. Yes, uh, I often try to pick something that's relevant. It's poetic. Oh, I have to try to uh, pick something that's um, relevant to the episode. Sure. So la- last episode, I, uh, what did I pick for a comic? Oh uh, shoot, I can't remember now. But it was something time travel related. So this time, I was like, I, I looked through my comic library and I was like, what? What can I grab that would be fun and time travel related? And I decided to go with Evan Dorkin's Bill and Ted's. Excellent comic book from the nineties. Oh, remember, cool. Do you remember when Dorkin was doing that book? I do not actually. No. Yeah, it was like a twelve, like twelve issues, I think it was, or the whole run, or ten, or something, which was super fun. Uh, like Evan, I mean, if you like Evan Dorkin, who, which I do, um, him kind of lending his his sense of humor and mm-hmm. his art style to uh, Bill and Ted just seemed like an obvious choice. This is the uh, the archive collection that has all of it in that Boom put out. 
Um, I think Marvel did it originally. I'm not 100% sure if it was a Marvel comic hmm. or why Boom would have the rights to it to be able to release it. But it, it could it could be because it's see the box of the uh, the comic person is blacked out and that looks like a Marvel layout. It does actually. So it must it must have been a Marvel book that they just didn't let them include the logo. Um, does it operate as a sequel to Bogus Adventure or Bogus yeah. Journey? Yeah, it carries on with them after uh, actually right on after Bogus Journey, if I recall correctly. Well, the, I believe the um, sorry the the first one is a the first one is a movie adaptation of Bogus Journey. Oh, okay. Um, and then and then it carries on from there, uh, which is um, it, with further storylines and all this other stuff. So uh, getting involved with all these other other craziness. So it just after the adaptation has become Bill and Ted's excellent comic book. And goes off from there, hmm. but the, uh, the I'm guessing the um, the success of the the uh, the comic series is what led towards them getting their own series. But often um, there are things in. So, if you are you a fan of the movies, I assume you probably are. I am, yeah. So in in the there's like a cut scene from the movies where, like the 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 crazy bunny from hell. And other things come back trying to stop them from getting to the the big thing at the end. And yeah. there's like a, the big bunnies, like a demon that's on the hood of their their van. And there's a big thing that got scrapped from the movie, but that's in the comics. So it's kind of you can tell they probably they probably drew it from the the film script and not from they hadn't seen the movie yet. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, also death is depicted as being a skull in a, a hood the entire time. He doesn't oh, look okay. like he doesn't look like he does in the uh, with with William Sadler in the series. So that's pretty fun though. But yeah. It's a fun book, and uh, if you can track down this volume, I've had it for a while now, so I'm not sure if it's still out there in the wild, but check it out. Uh, Dav and I just suggested um, Evan Dorkin's oh, Bill, well. and Bill and Ted's comic book from the 90s. Sorry so, about that, fellas. I also have cats, and uh, are, are both. Is so. there a crazy full moon? Oh, <laughs> they're going to tell me your cats did something. I was like, is there a crazy no. full moon or something making <laughs> our cats crazy? No, no. Oh, my cats are always crazy. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, do you, uh, hey, cool. Bill and Ted's excellent comic book. Check it out. It's pretty great. Well, now we move on to uh, everyone's favorite segment, at least Andre's. You don't like the movie? Change the channel. <laughs> My remote. Where's your remote taking us tonight, Andre? Well, for uh, Adam and the, who's going to initiate it, my remote is where I suggest a movie. Devin makes me pick one from the '90s or before. So, because um, I was going to suggest one, that's an extra suggestion. Two, two tiny ones. One is a movie called Synchronic, which is by uh, Justin uh, Benson and Adam. Or I always get their names wrong. Benson and Moorhead are their last names. They do um, these cool little indie movies with small budgets that are really good. They did one called Synchronic with um, Jamie Dornan and uh, oh god. I blank the guy that plays Falcon, Anthony Mackey, um, about about a, an illegal street drug that actually make if if your brain if if your pineal gland is still developing if you're too, if you're young, um, taking this illegal street drug displaces you in time and you wind up somewhere else that isn't where you were. Uh, Mackey's wow. a cop and his partner's daughter goes missing and Mackey's trying to find what happened to her and eventually discovers she took this drug. He has a brain tumor, which is slowly killing him, but also makes it that's that makes him able to take the drug and use it in a similar way. Hmm. Um, so he is, ends up doing experiments with it, trying to go back to where and find his partner's daughter and return her to her timeline. 
it's it's a low budget film, but it's very interesting and very good. Um, Benson and Moorhead are most notably did were the showrunners for the Moon Knight series on Disney Plus. Um, oh, about was the, excellent. Yeah, they uh, because like they, they did all these really low budget movies that were critically very well received that uh, that Disney noticed and, and they got that series. So, um, so I was going to suggest that one, which has only came out a couple years ago, but it's fantastic. And the other one I was going to suggest is last time I watched Wes Anderson's uh, Asteroid City, which is very very good. Um, if you like Wes Anderson, oh, you did, did you? Fantastic. Why don't you explain to the ex goons why that was happening? Instead That's because that was my plan of going to the city to begin with. And I was hoping to visit you after that, but there wasn't time. But the movie I'm going to suggest, which is one of my favorites, and I bought when I was in Halifax yesterday, is the Maltese Falcon, which is a classic. And uh, I need you like, have time to do that instead of having if beers. You like film the wires. What a, a guy, ex goons. Will you grow up? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's if you like film noir, which I do, it's the 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 quintessential one. But also, if you do enjoy it, I, I highly suggest you read the Dashiell Hamill novel, Dashiell Hammett novel that that it's based on, and any of Dashiell Hamill's books, which are all great um, noiry detective stories. Particularly Red Harvest. Read that one as well. Hmm. Well then. Let's move along. It's got great Hugh Humphrey Bogart and Peter Lorre performances, which is always fun from that old time period. So. Oh, Peter Lorre, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I, my la, 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 la. <clears throat> uh, perhaps you better take over from here. I was going to say, I will, but I'm going to be quick. I'm just going to tell everybody go ahead with your Peter Lorre. Go, oh, yeah. I was, uh, Peter Lorre always makes me think of, um, whenever they make fun of him on the Looney Tunes. You know, there's always yeah. like some little scientist who's like, I am being to my experiment. Like it's obvious them them making fun of him, but it's just it's if you didn't know his performances from like M or or this, you would you would you would have missed it. But he, oh I guess Casablanca is where most people recognize him from, but this would be the other movie that him and Humphrey Bogart are in together. Mm. I'm just gonna tell everyone go listen to Marcus Miller. If you like bass, go listen to Marcus Miller. Just do it up. I do like bass. Loving you, loving you is a good, good album. Pretty sure that's what the album's called. Check out the album Marcus. That's a really good album too. But honestly, you can't go wrong. Listen to anything by Marcus Miller, best bass player who ever lived. Yeah, check it. And he never loses the groove. <laughs> that's important. Like you can, you can get mathematical with music just to show your prowess, but do that without losing the groove. Few people can do that, and Marcus Miller's one. Of them. So check it out. Uh, now we have a new segment here on the show. You bet we do. You bet we do. Hold on one sec. Well, no, that's not the one. Let's go with this is the theme. I have, you know, I don't have a theme definitely chosen for this one. Let's go with... If you're unfamiliar, Adam, 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 all of this music are from the show. Uh, that one is from the Dazzler episode, the one where they... Uh, in this, no, it's not. It... That's from the Japanese theme. Oh, that is the Japanese theme. Okay. What was the one from the Dazzler episode? There's one we had from that, too. <laughs> that one's I can't remember, funny. but anyway. I, think I, I don't think I kept that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> that one's pretty great. This is where so we add like... them it up. It's a, basically a recommendation segment, but it's like, what what is something Adam like? Does somebody wanted to add them it up? What could they do? <laughs> Yeah. What well, like the full you know, the things that I enjoy? Exactly. Yes, exactly. This is uh well, all I ever do yeah, is I'm draw. prepared. 
I know. <laughs> All I ever do is draw, but lately I have been on something of a UFO kick. Ooh. And yeah. so I've been uh, just listening to podcasts on, on UFOs. Um, can't really recommend any specific one. I'm just kind of grazing it all. Um, and have you watched um, Nope, the Jordan Peele movie yet? I have. Did I enjoyed like that. Yeah, me too. Um, so, I mean, that's what you're familiar Are you familiar with the podcast works of Jean Michael Godier? No. Check that out. All right, I'll check that out. Um, but uh, um, as far in like, Along with that, uh, uh, the current comic uh, Blue Book um, by uh, James Tynion the fourth or fifth. Who's the third? Isn't it? Is it the third? I think, I think it's, it's the, the guy that did all the Batman book. books for a while. Yeah, I think it's yeah. the fourth. Um, oh, maybe we're wrong. But uh, you know, the writer creator, <laughs> something is killing the children. Oh yeah. And um, Michael Oming is the uh, illustrator. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, I love him yeah. so much. Um, so it's uh, you know it's a story in that realm and has been enjoyable. Um, and uh, uh, the comics that I've been reading is um, I've been reading Arcade Kings, um, drawn and written by Dylan Burnett, um, and uh, it's really wonderful. That's from Image Skybound, um, so that's really really fun and you know very different from Blue Book. Um, and uh, gosh, I haven't really been doing too much else besides drawing. Um, although this past weekend, my family and I did watch the uh, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Oh, movie. how was it? It was really, really fun. I, I we all really it liked. It was fun. I've been meaning to watch it. I just haven't got around to it yet. Yeah, it was super fun, um, and uh, it's definitely a good time. So I recommend that. Yeah, it's on. Um, I think it just showed up on mm-hmm. Prime, which means I mean you get to to go watch it, but I can get around to it. Yeah, yeah. On yeah. Prime, you never know. You might go in there and they're like, "Hey, for seven bucks, you can actually press play." It's just like what? <laughs> Prime. Yeah, no, this one's available to subscribers, so you're good. Yeah, which okay, I am. Good. So I'm very excited. Hey, look who I found coming to join the party. Glad y'all decided to join the party. I love watching people what? that don't know the format of this show just like be amazed with all the ridiculous My endless segments. Segments we have. Is that the, it amazed Andre is that for the, the first few episodes? Episode? Is that what? That music? That episode? no. During the first season, the end credits had those like spinning like three D action figures. Remember yes. those? And then yeah, they're like that. powers would light up. Yeah. That's the music that would play during that. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Like it was I pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Of that. I loved that outro, and then they got rid of it. But yeah, I liked it. Um, yeah. Well, I wanted to say about party like it's night crossing ninety seven. This is where we talk about you know the new series and stuff like that. But they're releasing action figures for the new series already. Like, seen, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Yeah. Like well, they we did. The, the, yeah. One minor scoop might be: Do we know that Mister Sinister is back this season? Because Brit, because in her interview, Christopher did say that they record. He was part of the recording of the season. Yes, yeah, so they said he's the main villain of the series. Along. Oh, did they? Oh, that's cool. I yeah. didn't know that. That's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. He's 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 the main guy. Which oh, that's so, why so I, so I mentioned like he had to be like John Colicos died. There was no apocalypse. He was the next like 
big. I mean, essentially, it'd be hard for them to bring him back. He did disappear for like he's erased from time. So it'd be a tough. It'd be a tough. Yeah, how they bring him back? Oh yeah, that too. That's true. But yeah, like and there's so much they didn't really do a whole lot with Sinister as far as what they could do. He was just sort of obsessed with Morph and Gene and Scott. But there's so much more they can do with that character. Um, For sure. Well, I guess we'll skip the games for tonight because we're running a bit long. Um, But we do have this. All I need now is for you to contact your students, Professor. Yeah, sorry, Adam, if you didn't know what you were getting yourself into, but if there's not at least 10 segments, it's not (laughs) X-rated. Your homework is to go watch. uh, Well, next week we have an interview with uh, Christopher Britton, who does the voice of Mr. Sinister, so that'll be next week's episode. Uh, We recorded that earlier. It's awesome. We've yeah, we've already yeah, done recorded it. that it's earlier awesome. today. It was pretty great. So that'll be your episode for next week. We it won't be live. It was pre-recorded, but uh, but it's still new content. So enjoy that. Uh, but your homework yeah. is between in two two weeks time to uh, to watch uh, the first episode of season five and what I believe to be a slow descent into terribleness of the season five of the show <laughs> is what everybody says. It just it's so bad. So well, you know um, what's funny? The first episodes of this coming season is the Phalanx Covenant, and for yeah. me. That's when 90s comics started to fall away into like a horribleness. That's when I stopped collecting comics. The Phalanx Covenant came out. I bought like they were all very fancy, shiny covers. I remember those covers. Yeah. I bought a couple of those and I mean, it's like, and I read them and I'm like, ah, I might be out. I don't know. Like, (laughs) it's, it's just more flash than substance. So we'll see. Yeah. It was a weird time in the 90s because like there were, it was, it was when like everybody was getting other versions of of them like spider-man wasn't spider-man he was ben riley batman wasn't batman he was jean paul valley like they're just there they were just throwing jean paul valley i've never even heard that name before oh come on i haven't asriel he was asriel then became batman after brain broke his back yeah so uh i know there's a whole other world of comics outside of the marvel universe to have and you gotta open yourself up to sometimes who's got the time yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's, it's a very strange time, I must say. But uh, it, it uh, so we'll it, see. It, it it does seem to herald the kind of shifting of the guard, as it were. Right around the time all the lenticular covers came out is when things started getting weird. Uh, but uh, yeah, so go watch the Phantom's Covenant Part One, Episode One of Season Five. Right. What is the Top three best episodes of the season. Oh, I can't think of that off the top of my head. We'll, we'll get back to you on that one, Sam. Yeah. Well, thank you so I'm much for being on the show, Adam. Yeah, Adam. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. Anytime you want to come, if you want to come back for a, a terrible season five yeah. episode, you're probably <laughs> <welcome. laughs> Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is Jubilee? We didn't Jubilee's fairy segment tales? you to death. Uh, Jubilee's fairy tale theater. theater. I'll look ahead at what some of these episodes well, are. The old soldiers one might be all right. That's the one with Wolverine and Cat in America. Yeah, um, the World War II story. Yeah, I can yeah. think of one that might be fun to return for. But uh, oh, let let us know. And we'll get you on. Yeah, okay. yeah, we'll definitely do that. Um, well, um, our uh, just recent interview guest Christopher Britton uh, certainly uh, recommended Descent, the two-parter that explains Mister Sinister's backstory. But we'll right, watch. right, which uh, which did, does yeah. seem interesting, which I am excited to see because I have no memory of that episode yeah. whatsoever. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
be nice so, to uh, so experience the sinister origin, especially he's going to play so much in the next season. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. You can support the show at patreon.com slash X-Men Review Show. I'll uh, put uh, some more merch up there soon. Andre's got some Xavier was right and some Magneto was right things <laughs> I just have to put up there. I got I want to get one just... of those Magneto was right shirts. They're pretty cool. Yeah, they are pretty cool, aren't they? <laughs> I feel my psychic energy being drained. <laughs> being drained. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Uh, contact us at X-Men Review Show at gmail.com. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and the Twitches. You can find our audio-only version wherever you get your podcasts. We're everywhere, all over the world. We've had listeners on every continent except Antarctica. Oh, man, we got to get some Antarctica people. I know They're out do. there. I know we do. They're they out, there out there and you need something to listen to. <laughs> They're outpost scientists. That's what they are. <laughs> and you please like, review, and subscribe. And we are, of course, a proud member of these United Federation of Podcasts. Do a quick rundown. There's us, the X Men, the X Men Animated Review Show. There's the very, the very Federation itself. There's Hold Up a Movie Podcast. Our next episode is on boats, Das Boot, <laughs> Captain Ron, in in the heart of the sea. Mm-hmm. We'll review those. That's quite the eclectic. Made brothers podcast. Oh man, I've. Captain Ron, so good. Anyway, Super Mater Brothers podcast, they review reality shows. And we also do the Mary Mater Marvel Society over there where we review the MCU content. Well, the next up will be, of course, Secret Invasion. We just did the Spider-Verse there, which was amazing. Check that out if you haven't seen it. Oh, and there's sure. Trivial Debates. we got a nice Trivial Debate show. Andre's been on there. I've been on there. I don't know. You might be due up for hosting duty soon, Andre. I don't know. Oh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Speaking of Spider Verse, that reminds me of that so much. Yeah, um, yeah, no, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, a new episode just dropped Monday. That was with um, Tara Odebear, who is a uh, I met at the East Coast Comic Expo. Who uh, is super cool? Com- I just yeah, indigenous comic creator that does some really cool projects, uh, children's books um, based around indigenous stories. Same with uh, uh, cartoons and uh, and a movie she's working on right now. So, very cool, great conversation. Very yeah, cool. very excited to see that. Actually, it's what I can't remember the language she said it was in, but it's it's uh it's wholly in a in a uh, indigenous language the entire movie, which is pretty cool. So mm-hmm. it, it does sound like it's going to be pretty pretty neat. I'm excited to see that one when it comes out. Oh, and uh, I don't know who the next one is yet. I have an idea, but I will uh, I will announce that once I have it set. And go back and check past episodes with guests like Adam Gorham. Yeah, great episode with Adam. Actually, is really fun. It was. And, uh, yeah, and uh, if you want to hear my almost killing Stan Lee story, go back and listen to the one with me. Uh, <laughs> uh, all you had to do was wait track. for time. I had to do was wait for time to finish the job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Um, and there's also the Hellman podcast with Alex Blackburn, and Michael Chan, and of course, we can't forget Live Long and Podcast. We have endless Star Trek content. Uh, you know, we review shows. Over at the command division, we do uh, science division stuff. I have endless shows over there. Check it out. We also have first contact interviews where I've inter- I hope to interview uh, <laughs> the wife of our uh, 
most recent guest on this show, Christopher Britton, on there. Too. So she, I the... inferred from our interaction that she played a Klingon on Star Trek. Yeah, man, she plays Bator. She's one of the best Klingons. Oh, really? That's and cool. Bator. Yeah, she's the Klingon who tries to seduce everybody. Oh, she's great. On what <laughs> series? TNG and DS9. Oh, well, I would the movie. She's in. They're in the first Contact movie as well. Oh, cool. Okay, I would have seen her on DS9. I love that show. I watched all of it. Oh yeah, they show up in at least one episode of that. Cool. And of course, the computers of Trek. Check out my audio podcast there. That's it. Uh, where, what can what can people where can people check out what's going on with you, Adam? What, what, uh, well, what's um, fresh in the world of Adam. I'm not allowed to say what's next. Um, oh I, no! I just I, can you around. say who it's yeah. with? No. Okay. <laughs> no. That's not true. Um, I'm I'm doing it. I'm maybe doing a little too much, but there are a couple of things that I can say. Um, one of them is I recently drew a couple issues of Star Wars Darth Vader over at Marvel, issues 33 and 34. And I'll be returning to that title later on this year. So you can look forward to that if you read Star Wars and if you liked what I did. Um, I'm also uh, working on a horror comic with R.L. Stein over at Boom. Oh, that's um, awesome. Wow. Called, it's, a, it's, a, it's another story in his stuff of nightmare series and ours is called red murder and um i'm doing some neat stuff with it because there is a it's about a comic artist who creates a um uh, uh he makes a comic that gets turned into a movie the movie franchise becomes super successful and he doesn't and um so at a convention that's celebrating the umpteenth anniversary of this character the character, uh, which is sort of like a slasher mm-hmm. or a movie slasher character, uh, when you know it shows up at the convention and uh, people start getting murdered. Nice. Um, so uh, the interesting thing about this project for me personally is that I'm um, I'm because uh, there is the comic that I'm drawing, but then there's also the comic within the comic. So I'm trying my hand at a different art style within the book. Um, so that's really fun, and that's coming out in September uh, from Boom. So you have that to look forward to. Oh, awesome! Yeah, really awesome. Sounds super cool. Time. Uh, do you have a, how much interaction? Red goosebumps growing up. How much interaction with Stein do you have? Like, is it do you do you talk with him or? Uh, no, I mean I I hear from him through my editorial team, and uh, they always refer to him as Bob, and. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so they'll say Bob loves this, and Bob Bob approves. Getting oh, getting awesome. getting an email that says Bob approves is pretty gratifying. Oh, that's <laughs> super cool. Is he a real guy or is he a company of people? Like was the rumor back in the day? People were always like, "There's too many Goosebumps books." R.L. Stein is ten people. As far right. as I know, he's a real guy. <laughs> yeah, and there's only one of them. Oh, so Working real hard. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. They never say that about Stephen King. It's just like Arl Stein can't write goosebumps, but Stephen King can churn out a thousand books a year. Like, come on. Stephen King, (laughs) stealing from X-Men, the animated series. That's right. (laughs) Well, it's easy to write books when you're stealing. Yeah. That's because they famed X-Men thief uh, Stephen King. But uh, also, I just wanted to say uh, in person, thanks, Adam, for I watched Adam using uh, his iPad Pro at the East Coast Comic Expo. And uh, because of me being so impressed with what he was able to do with it, 
I didn't need a new tablet, so I decided to get one myself, and it's amazing. I'm going to be it, – it's really sparked my creativity and wanting to, like, really do some more comics again because it's so easy. I sat at my deck and drew, like, this picture of myself. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was just great. I could just sit on a deck out under a tree and, and do some amazing art. Um, you know, not to say that my art's amazing, but, like, amazingly – Fun to put together art. It was so, a very uh, nice portrait you. Oh, thank you. You made. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm glad that you're. I'm glad you're getting into it. It'll. Uh, it's uh, it's been a long time since I've done any comic work, and I'm, I miss it dearly. And I gotta carve out some time to do it. So. There you go. Well, this yeah. should make it easier. It, it's super. Like I can't get. Over, I have a drawing tablet. I plug into my computer, and I was getting used to that. But like this is like that times ten, and I don't need to sit, like because it would be like another monitor. So I'd have yeah. to like go back and forth and, and mess with Photoshop and then do the layers. But this is so much simpler. And yeah. It just streamlines it all so easily that, uh, and for, it's like 18 bucks for the app. It's insane. It's, it's super good. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> an affordable app and it's so, like I was saying, like it, it takes everything that like you would need from Photoshop, but simplifies it, makes it user-friendly. Yep. So. Oh my and God. That sounds like what I need. And it even just like it even it, like you can even just pick a comic page and it'll give you the dimensions for the comic page like instantly to like start yeah. doing the air. Oh, wow. So like yeah, it's what? super cool. Yeah. Super duper. Uh, yeah, it does sound awesome. awesome. All right, well, let's get out of here, everybody. Uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us, Adam. Oh, yeah, thanks, thanks for taking too much of your time. And definitely yeah. come back if you want in season five. There's and let us know when they announce your new project <laughs> so we can we can pimp it. Yeah. Oh sure. Yeah, we awesome. love we love promoting our our friends of the show. That's well, thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks again. All right. All right. Good night. Bye. I, my friends, is the greatest power in existence. Unfortunately for you and your universe, time has run out. <laughs> oh no! Catch you next time. Mm-hmm.